0: You pretty much ready to dive right into this sucker? I am, I just got my recorder
1: going. Cool. I thought we got some pretty good questions this time around. We did, but man, they had such an opportunity to ask throw that, the most horrifying up, uh, personal questions that we would have been forced to answer. and
0: Throw that shit up in the, in the chat right now. Put it up
1: there, because I've been tempted the entire
0: time to go, you know, you guys keep... Because we keep getting... Yeah, you know, what's your favorite Transformers? Like, f*** the Transformers. Don't you want to know stuff about us? You
1: know? <laughs> I guess not.
2: I spent the evening with the radio. Regret the moment that I let you go. Our quarrel was such a way of learning so much. I know now that I love you, cause I need your touch. hey, hey. hey. Reunited and it feels so good.
0: And now Reunited. it's time to sit back and enjoy. The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast Illogic Foolish Emotions A Constant Irritant
1: oh. And fire Out freak. Two Along the Circus
0: <laughs> Right Next to the Dog-Faced
1: Boy True! I Have Come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh
0: shit! Six. It's a super prize package worth nine thousand three hundred
1: and eighty-eight dollars. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I
0: ever got. God damn it!
1: Wow! And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner.
0: He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. You're yeah, goddamn lucky he did kill her.
2: And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Are you me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now, come on, oh let's God, go. She likes me, no eh? No way. Shut up,
1: you freak! Julius, you. i say shut up! It's a man! Of... A man! Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Two True Freaks, where the um, actual editors intrude upon Assistant Editor's Month. We're just getting back from our vacation in Bora Bora, <laughs> and we are tanned and rested. Who are we? I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with the other freak of Two True Freaks, Scott Gardner. Hi. And this show is the sequel to the wildly popular, wildly listened to episode... Grill the Freaks. So this is Grill the Freaks 2 or Reheat the Freaks. How, or, how many have we
0: done? Because all I could find this on this the feed this this was Grill one. the Freaks. Okay, because I,
1: I know, alright, we've a answered questions lesson. before, you know.
0: Okay, that was what it was. We must have done another one at some point but, that was I, not necessarily called Grilled the Freaks. Well, any
1: kind of feedback episode that we've done or any kind of feedback right. in general is usually sort of Sort of in this, but this is like not, you know, we're not usually that's feedback on a specific show or something, right? Right. But I don't want to put the
0: cart before the horse, but I went back and I listened to the original grill the freaks and it's a good episode. I enjoyed listening to it, but that episode is you and I asking each other 20 questions a piece. That's right. I thought it was a really good episode, but if I remember properly and correct me if I'm wrong. But if I remember properly, the idea with that was that, once again, we were going to have listeners submit questions. I think the problem with that episode is that we did it way too early. We didn't we really have any didn't have, listeners.
2: <laughs> yeah, we didn't
0: really have anybody submitting questions, so we just sat down and we did our own questions for each other. So this had the potential of being <laughs> that episode. And and I do think we got some really good questions. But uh, as we get into this... Um, uh, yeah, at some point, there there might be some commentaries on the, on the level of questions that we received. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, the hibachi's all fired up, and, uh, you know, the coals are on the grill, yep. and the p- salad's out, and all that. So what do you say? You
1: ready to just dive right into this? Yeah, and I'm just going to warn everybody. Um, we put the call for questions out up on the Facebook page. So we're reading it right off the, the the thread on the Facebook page. First question out there was uh, uh, from Christopher J. Warden, and he says, What does the H stand for in Scott H. Gardner? Oh, son of a
0: bitch. <laughs> right off the top. Oh, uh, the very first question. Alright, do I have to answer this? I do, don't I? We said that we would answer questions. I know you hate, hate, hate 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 (laughs) i do i really do question i well you know i had funny is i I don't I i don't answer this question that's the thing is that up until i moved here to florida i had never ever used that name ever on anything so when i went into the service um You know When I got married, when I had kids, when I had to sign official documents, when I got driver's licenses and all this other stuff that's happened to me in my life, when I've gotten jobs, I have never used that name, ever. It has always been H. Now, it does stand for something. It was a a name that my, my mother liked and that my mother gave to me, so she is completely to blame on this. I moved to Florida... And the sons of bitches at the motor vehicle department would not accept that because that's not what was on my birth certificate. And I'm like, look, you know, I, at that when, when the hell did I move here? Four years ago. So I was about 42. I said, look, I'm, I'm over 40 years old. I've used this my entire life. I don't go by, that's not my name. I don't go by that. I said, look, and I gave him like 50 pieces of ID, mm-hmm. none of which, all of which said Scott H. Garter, but none of which had that name made no difference. They had to go with the name on the... Uh, on the burst of, According to the officious little prick that was at the DMV that I wanted to twist his friggin' head off. So anyway, it's my, my catch, driver's right? license here in Florida actually does have it on there, much to my chagrin, and I've been thinking about, like, legally addressing that at some point because I really hate this name.
1: Well, you see, then, then why is... The thing, the thing, why I don't feel so... How did he get... How did he know that it scott h gardner where did he see where could he have seen that who christopher j warden well that's what i go by
0: i mean i go by scott h gardner but he's wanting to know what does the h stand for which, oh
1: you, you know, see that's the thing that. i would it, you, that's where you went wrong there man that's where you went wrong <laughs> man It's just putting that h in there in the first ta- first place because it begs the question if you just went by scott gardner The occasional weirdo will be like, hey man, what's your middle name? But most people don't do it, but the H just sitting there begs the question. It just sits like, ha, ha, ha. What is it? Is it Hortense? Is it Julio? Is it Hulu? Is it he who has no name? Alright, well we've got a
0: lot of questions to get through and not a lot of time to get to them, so sounds like a sounds like a song, doesn't it? Alright, so um, here it is and we're just gonna move right along. The H stands for We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things genuinely irritating <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, man. Oh, up. I've out. just been waiting for You it know shit, it anyway. Bro. You you knew it anyway, so I can't
1: remember how I teased it out of you the first time. Probably. I have t- no idea. You probably asked my mother. My mother
0: would just tell people. <laughs> she was proud of it. She's still proud of it. I don't know why you don't like that name, because uh, it's she a She named Yeah, name. she should be proud yeah. of it, you know, I guess. If anybody's going to be. All right. Can we move along, please? All right. So I hope you're happy. The goofiest Shea. H name of all H names you could possibly uh-huh. have, too. Yes, Yes, it is. (laughs) All right. So from Scott McGregor, we get, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And I think this was the only question I actually answered right in the thread because I just couldn't resist. I I just answered it with the question, African or European.
1: (laughs) There's nothing to say to that except, of course, by the second question, it's a Monty Python. Right. So we know we're dealing with nerds. All right, we got one from Jason Ritter. Have to ever knee it, old ladies, which I guess is another Monty Python reference. I mean, I think he means like the knights who say knee. Uh, I don't know how no. to answer that. Do I answer it with a Monty Python reference? Sure, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott McGregor says, a parrot says what? Now they're just trying to trip us up. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Here's an actual question, goofballs. <laughs> There's some point where we're gonna be like, all right, put your hands down. But uh, Dario Gonzalez asks, and and I'm I'm assuming this is towards you, Scott, since it's not towards me. Why are you and I the only people who love Amazing Man? I know, right? Uh, here's
0: the thing, though, Dario. I don't think it's just you and me, man. I think that uh, I think there's actually a lot of love out there for Amazing Man. I think that is one of those uh, fondly remembered books by the the people that were into it at the time. Uh, how many of us there are, I have no idea, but I, I do suspect it's just more than uh, than you and I. I have met many people over the years that uh, have professed uh, a fondness for Amazing Man because they liked it back in the day. So, chin up, man. It's more than just you and me.
1: Enough. i haven't heard that say (laughs) all right (laughs) the first of many by fanboyimus prime oh good lord and one that has nothing to do (laughs) with the transformers amazingly
0: all all right all right so are there any movie stars or producers or directors you'd like to threaten with a switchblade
1: threaten no (laughs) stab in the throat yes Why? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, the same logic goes with a gun. If you're going to point a gun at somebody, be prepared to kill them. If you're going to threaten them with a switchblade, you might as well be prepared to poke your eyes out.
2: Right. So,
1: here's here's the thing, you know, it was like in my, like, up until recently, the more people I would have wanted to switchblade would have been movie stars. Would have been like, I mean, like. Today, these days, it would be really popular. A lot of people would like to switchblade Tom Cruise. I've noticed there's a lot of people right. I that just don't like Tom Cruise, and would love to. But for I'm me, that it's switching more to the to the producers, directors, writers these days of the people I'd like to, you know, get in a dark alley and rough up a little bit. You know, the Orkies and the and the the Snyder, Zack Snyders, you know, stuff like that. The Roland Emmerichs. But I have, you know, I cannot think of an actor that I have, you know, that's shown up recently that I've just detested in the ways like earlier that there's been actors that I've just, you know, either hated from the outset or after a while you just get, you, you sort of think they're okay and then after a while you just get sick of them and want them to go away and die. Not that much anymore. Maybe it's me being able to overlook them, the douchier actors out there, the more annoying actors, and go. Maybe it's just because there's been so many of, and it's not been like there's been more directors and producers that have been making crappy movies, but they've been like louder about it. They've been more outwardly, um, aggressively, bad, <laughs> and then cut. You know strident in defending themselves by basically putting down their critics, you know, not being able to defend their films, but just sort of like going like well, so what, you know, you're nerds, ha ha and uh, uh, does that answer the question? Have we answered that question? Do you have any names you want to name? (laughs) I think I name them on a regular basis, actually, (laughs) so I don't think
0: there's any mystery to this question at all
1: (laughs) All Alright, you got the next one all right, what's the next one here? Putting my glasses down on my nose. What are the funniest pranks you ever pulled? Oh, my God. Yeah, see, I think that's an entire
0: show, isn't it? Well, the, oh, I the, think the that's one I horror. can
1: think of off the top of my bat, sort of off the top of my bat. That's uh-huh? that's a different... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> my pants back on. Um, <laughs> off, <laughs> off the top of my head... I can think of one prank that both you and I pulled that was particularly fun for both of us and that was the hot pepper in the wallet prank. I don't know. If we oh Jesus. That one yes.
0: Oh my god, I forgot about. It. Yes, I think that happened. that's one we my both that's one we both
1: we, we, we collaborated on. <laughs> have we told that story? I don't know. I don't see how we couldn't have because it started out when Scott and I lived together in in Rochester. Um, first we started out in this one house with a whole ton of people living in it, and then we moved to an apartment with a lot fewer people living in it, and Scott had this whole attic, and it was, you know, it was a rough attic with a serial killer room in it. It was like your standard attic. Think, think of the
0: room that the, that the mother finds Edward Scissorhands in, in the movie Edward Scissorhands, and it pretty much looked like that.
1: Yep. And, uh... And, and, and uh, but we had a window out there that right next to the Museum <laughs> of Dental Horrors. And, we, and we, we started for a while just putting a speaker in the window and taking a microphone and like yelling at people just for our own amusement. <laughs> and that got old, but then we started noticing the phone across the street, the payphone. And since we had a phone, you know, this was the old days, this was like a phone, you know, with a cord. But we could sit and look out the window, with this phone, and call the 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 payphone. So we'd just call the payphone and like talk to people,
0: and just <laughs> let it
1: ring until somebody finally we, picked it up. We had to have told this story in the Who is Hesh story because it it it, <laughs> it involves Pete Hesh. See, I don't know that we did though, but we I, I don't know. I'm I'm almost thinking B-Hesh we should
0: Hesh save a for,
1: character. Actually.
0: Yeah and but it was it was hysterical because at one point we were calling people and we were like we need a hook we need something to like we need to try to get people to do something stupid yeah so
1: we took a, a wallet and threw it away in the trash and what do we put in it we put hot peppers it or something. they were those um banana peppers i got a peppers. big bottle of like commercial banana peppers from work and they were just in our fridge and <laughs> we would snack on the goddamn things I just had this old wallet, this old gray, greasy, crappy wallet. And we, we stuck a banana pepper in it, which was soaking <laughs> juice into it and stuff. And then we buried it at the bottom of this trash can. What was funny is, we we would call the the
0: the phone and calm the person on the line. We'd do the hash. Yeah, I,
1: I accidentally
0: threw my wallet away. I had like five hundred dollars in there and stuff. And so some of the people would be like, yeah, right. But then we had a couple of people that would like, you'd see them. And all you would see is like an ass and a pair of legs sticking out of the trash can as they're digging for this wallet full of imaginary cash. And I remember one time when we did it, not long before the guy dove into the thing of trash looking for the wallet, there was like this guy walking his dog and the dog took a shit and the guy picked, scooped it and dumped it into the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that this poor guy sweet in the pot dirty. yeah oh it's just nasty so nasty we're
1: up there just rolling and oh my god because we would be just like i swear to god i was so wasted i think i threw it away <laughs> look if you can find it i'll just give you a half of money come on <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. One, that guy, just... one
1: guy just hung up on us and, like, just started digging in there. like crazy. Mo- Most of the people were, like, <laughs> poor saps were, like, good Samaritans and would, like, keep us on the line. They're, like, well, I found it, but it just has, like, food in it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're lying. Come <laughs> on, I need that money. Maybe it's at the bottom of the garbage.
0: Oh my god, I forgot about that.
1: So, there, that. Hey, I think that. I
0: think that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Because
1: I was hard pressed on that question. (laughs) All right, the next one is from Paul Spataro, the producer. What the hell is wrong with you two? I don't know, man. I don't know. Scientists are working on that, I guess, is all you could really.
0: And well, then Chris- what's funny is I get that question a lot.
1: <laughs> and then Christopher J. Warden pops in, of course, with what the hell is right with you two.
0: And I, think, I that- think lots of things are right with us. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> it's all subjective. Uh, Tim Elliott ah. says, I want to know if Chris was given a budget of $100 million, what movie would he remake? Has to be a remake. And he picks writer, director, and actors. All picks have to be alive and well. Holy Christ. Yikes. Yikes, a hundred million dollars. Well, first off, it has to be a remake. So what movie would you
1: want to remake? Mm. You know what? I, I think I know. Holy holy cow. I you know, I saw this one before and it's kind of a stumper. And at first I was thinking something I would be like, well I'd save some of that money and make myself the director of whatever it was. But no, I think I would give it to... um, however you pronounce his first name, Jododowski, who was originally slated to do Dune. Not that... I, and this is going to be another whole show someday with me and Dave Atterbury is... is on Dune. And not that I didn't like David Lynch's Dune, but I just watched a documentary on what um, Jododowski had planned for... For Dune, which was H.R. Giger and uh, music by Pink Floyd and Goblin, so I would love to see that. And a hundred million dollars would make that movie in, in Jododowski's hands. You, you would see his vision of Dune. It's actually been all plotted out in storyboards form for for years and made its way around Hollywood. So. Wow, I actually, ha- I actually found an answer to that. Hmm. Sweet. We're doing pretty good Let's so far. see. What is the next question? Okay, the next one here, I like this question a lot. This
0: is one of my favorite questions. Gene Hendricks asks, how have you applied what you've learned as a podcaster to real life? Which assumes that you've actually learned something, of course.
1: It's, I don't know. It's harder for me, for real life. Oh, my God. It's hard to say. And it's not much as in podcasting, but as in being part of a podcast or being part of having a listenership that crosses so many different spectrums. I've almost had to... I think I've honed my... Oh, I'm trying to think how to word this. Getting along and processing and trying to keep... Just wildly, wildly disparate fandoms and opinions all playing nice. You know what I mean? Almost a diplom—almost by diplomacy. Although it's not like that. It's not like it's putting out fires or it's in stopping fights and stuff. It's more of with myself, of having to see all kinds of wildly. From the whole spectrum of of people, points of view, and trying to keep them all—I don't know—playing nice, or mm-hmm. or um, playing nice in my head. <laughs> right. I know. I know. For you, it's a lot more direct, and I—I uh, I mean, I could answer that question for you. I've go ahead. I've seen it. Well, I mean, look—you're teaching at Disney University now. Yeah, exactly. I mean. I've I've seen it in action when we went to do um, Star Wars we um, celebration.
2: Damn. and
1: um, basically, you know, we did a little prep uh, prep work, you know, uh, on how we did it, but we didn't script that thing out or anything. And you got up there with a with a you know a wireless mic and just started walking and talking. And uh, I knew you were going to be able to do it. (laughs) You were a little nervous, but I knew you knew you were going to be able to do it because we do it all the time now. And I know that applies definitely to getting in front of a class of of students and teaching them what you teach them there. You know, yeah, it's the same sort of thing.
0: I mean. You know just today, I, I was teaching today, and my voice I don't know if it's really coming through right now because actually, my voice is not so bad at the moment. But earlier today, my voice was fried because I've got a bit of a cold and I, my throat's been sore, so my voice was really fried. But uh, you know, despite feeling like complete crap today, I was just on fire today. There was, was so I was just really enjoying it. I had a big class for a change, which the last several months it's been very small classes i find it easier to to teach with a with a large class because you get more participation and stuff and it just struck me again you know thinking about you know the show that we were going to be recording and everything and i knew this that this question was in there somewhere and it just brought it all back to me again that you know i know i've told the story before so i don't want to keep going over the same thing but it really is true i mean i i hope folks don't think that i'm just being corny or maudlin or something but it really is true I I really believe wholeheartedly that if it wasn't for two true freaks I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today professionally it just it gave me the confidence to publicly speak to people which is something I didn't realize I could do because when we used to have to do presentations and stuff in school used to scare the shit out of me to have to stand up in front of the class and talk
1: oh me too it was mortifying
0: I had had terrible stage fright
1: I hated just I hated I don't know if they do it anymore in school when they would make you read aloud. Yeah, and you'd be yeah, going exactly. through the row, and like everybody'd have to read two or three paragraphs aloud, and then it would get, and you would watch everybody just go, "Oh God, here it comes! I have to read something. Everybody's got to listen to me talk now." Well, part of it too
0: was that you know we'd we'd have to read in like Musa Hall's class, and you and Randy would sit there, hmm. you sons of bitches, and be like going <coughs> and stuff, <laughs> making me laugh, so I couldn't get through anything. Oh, and Randy would read the, in that
1: slow monotone. As if it was,
0: its and she just was too polite too to
1: be like. She was like, maybe this kid just can't read too well.
0: <laughs> and he could read just fine. He just did it because he didn't want to be doing it.
1: Yeah, and because oh, it would man. make us sit there and have a hernia trying not just to just,
0: fucking crack up.
1: <laughs> i was just dying laughing. <laughs>
0: Alright, next one here. Josh Baker asks, would you rather fight a bear-sized bee or a hundred bee-sized bears?
1: Isn't that one just so... That's a
0: no-brainer, man. I don't know. I'd rather have a good question, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that's, an, that's a Reddit question. That's an internet question. Okay. But oh, obviously, a well. hundred bee-sized bears would be much easier to vanquish. Although, a bear-sized bee would be a much more exciting... Story to tell, but I'd rather tell the story of killing 100 B-sized bears. (laughs) That's Uh, all you get from that question. And then under it said Scott Gardner. I like that question, but then I realize you're talking about the the last one you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Oh, we got another one here from Gene. He says, uh, here's another one. He says, beyond the Amazon link, have you guys given any thought to monetizing TTF? Not charging listeners, but selling advertising and the like.
1: I like how he goes, not charging listeners, please. I <laughs> won't pay anything for it. Um, We thought about it, but the, there's a lot of issues that would come up if we started doing that as to like if we want to use soundtrack music in the background and stuff right so yeah i you know we thought about i'd love to make a a lot of money from two true freaks but it's gonna have to be in some way that we figure out how to do it so we're not obnoxious to the listeners and (laughs) if that is even possible so it might not even be possible and at this point, like we've the Amazon link we found, as we've said so many times before, is like one of the least obnoxious things that that we can do, and it's and it's working out good enough to where it pays for you know it pays all the brick and mortar bills of running two two freaks. So anything after that is kind of icing on the cake or gravy on whatever you would put gravy on which could be almost anything it's gravy <laughs> on the cake so yuck yeah so but we are open to ideas so if anybody has any ideas how the money can pour into two true freaks without us having to change what we do and become obnox obnoxious you know hucksters <laughs> send it our way because I'm open to it. so alan
0: leach jr says that photoshop will haunt my dreams tonight thank you chris thank you any
1: (laughs) any photoshop that uh, has something to do with scott and i and the cooking of food is going to be yeah horrifying that
0: is that is a disturbing disturbing image it really is
1: hilarious though now finally yeah here we go finally we get some questions with a little meat in them not to say that I, was, I haven't been having fun with these guys' questions so far but this was sort of what I was hoping for mm-hmm. for two true freaks you know uh, guys you've had, you, you could have asked us anything you could have asked me how many times I masturbated a day and I would have to answer <laughs> have to answer and now I'm off the hook you'll never know till the next grill the freaks <laughs> by then i'll be so old it'll be it won't even be a, i'll be just like what what's that i don't know what you're talking about anyway these three of course come right out of your own house right out of your own loins it's it's you. your son scotty Gardner poses three questions so uh let's let's just work through it. one for both all of right. us one for you and then one for me so let's let's right. do them one by one so we'll start with the both of us in all the years of producing two true freaks what has been your greatest moment of feeling this makes all the work of podcasting worth it whether it be some feedback just a moment with everyone you've podcasted with or something like that
0: that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a bitch. That's a bitch of a question.
1: But I mean, it's a great we question. No, no.
0: don't get me wrong, Scotty. I think I I love all the questions that you ask. Not not just these three. No, but this yes. this is what I'm I wanted. To. No, this is exactly the kind of stuff I was looking for. Um, yeah, it's brain's it's working. On honestly, this. it's impossible for me to nail down like a single moment. I mean, because there's 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 been a lot of high points. I mean. Um, probably the first time I really had that feeling was like the first, you know, like when we went to Dragon Con. I mean, it was the first con we'd ever done, and that was just an awesome feeling because we felt like friggin' rock stars at that thing. I mean, and it was cool. It was a lot of fun, and nobody it was knew who fun. the hell we were, but it was fun. We had a blast. I mean, and it, it, it did. It was that feeling of you know this makes all the you know the hard work we've put into it worth it. But you know, honestly, it's a lot of little things. It's it's when you hear honest sincere feedback from people you know saying you know sometimes it's just as simple as saying hey you know i really enjoyed that episode and then we've had other pieces of feedback from people that have literally said you know i've been down in the dumps for months my girl dumped me or you know i'm going through a bad stretch or whatever but listening to your show has fucked me up and you know i enjoy it it and it keeps me from you know, in some instances, the, the the gist that I got from some of the feedback we've got is like, you know, your show has kept me from slitting my wrist. So thanks, you know, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but that's almost the tone I've gotten from some of them. And I mean, that's that's a hell of a statement. It's like, wow, you know, listening to us is actually making somebody feel better that uh, you, you can't put a price tag
1: on that. I like that sort of thing. Um, there's also stuff like Hey Kids Comics, which we helped. Oh, yeah. Th- help that you know i i'm not gonna say that hey kids comics wouldn't have happened without us but we helped um speed up the process i think by like pointing him in the direction about how to actually physically put it together and stuff like right. that really like the the our um two podcasts we did on how on how to start a podcast and just general
0: you know what uh, i'm gonna take it back i i i actually can kind of nail it down a little bit And I never really thought about it before. But I think just this this past month's event, you know, we're kind of wrapping up Assistant Editors Month with this show coming back. I think just the simple fact of we built this network and these guys love us and they treat us so good, you know, And, and it's totally reciprocated, guys. We we love you guys too. And to have them be able to do what they did just for us to say you know what you guys deserve a rest take a break we're gonna take over the network for a month and and give you guys some much needed time off that's a hell of a feeling you know that we we got to this point where yeah that's that's the network of of not just fellow podcasters but of friends and family that we have built with two true freaks that's a hell of an accomplishment that again you can't put a price tag on that sort of thing I, I mean that sincerely. I think that's probably those honestly, are like the holistic the greatest. ones yeah. and then
1: there's just like smatterings of little like um one of the one of the small like Star Wars um, celebration playing Star Wars trivia just a normal oh, yeah. thing sitting around with but yeah. sitting around in person with a bunch of people that yep. we only talk to you know on the yep. show and online. Just yep. just playing Star Wars trivia was awesome.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly.
1: All right, this the second one's for you. All right, do you see any? This is loaded. Do you see any hope for future generations or even today's generations understanding and enjoying the material that you grew up with and raised me and Logan with, like the original Star Trek, the DC animated series, classic comic history. Or do you think that future generations are doomed to have their opinions clouded and overwhelmed with the material coming out these days like New 52 or the Nolan movies?
0: That's a great question. It really is. And, you know, it occurs to me that that I find myself, you know and I think a lot of other fans go through this too. I find myself getting very negative and very down on on what's going on today because I'm not happy with things like what he mentioned, you know, New Fifty Two right. and Nolan and stuff like that. So it's very it's very easy to kind of fall into that you know that negative mindset. But I do like to think of myself as an optimistic person, and I do think, you know, to kind of steal a, a line from Walt Disney, you know, I, I think that quality does out. So I think, yeah, I think there's lots of hope for future generations because I think people I think everything as- good
1: gets rediscovered and
0: yeah, exactly. appreciated
1: yeah. in time. Yeah.
0: Absolutely I do, you know, and uh, and I think especially when it comes to nerds and, and fanboys, you know, geeks I think that we generally have a pretty good BS meter you know, that, that, you know, we're pretty good at siphoning through stuff and going, you know what, that's a steaming pile of crap let me find something good. And and I think that the tide is slowly starting to turn. Well,
1: you know... Because I've been uh, watching also, there's, trends there's,
0: there's, and watching what people are saying about these things like New 52. And people, you know, even the ones that were initially really gung-ho for it, I think are starting to discover that it's very shallow. It lacks depth. It, la- it lacks something. And so a lot of people are going back to discover or rediscover, you know, the, the older materials. So... Yeah, I mean, that gives me hope. I mean, I try not to be one of those people that says, well, everything was better in my day. You know, everything that comes out today is crap, because I don't really believe that. I think that new things come out all the time that are good. But, you know, he's specifically asking about, you know, these things that have been kind of sullied by, you know, the, the newer incarnations of them. and what, And, you know, will people you know, is there any hope that people will go back and kind of salvage or latch onto to the original, you know, the better stuff? And yeah, I definitely think so, because you know, this, the older stuff is
1: better, so... I don't know. I think so. I'd like to think so, anyway. What You know, despite taste or not, you know, no, everybody's got their own taste and stuff, but the, the nerd mentality is such that, you know, most nerds like to look at say they get into Superman in the new 52 and either they get sick of it or changes or something somewhere down the line, they're going to get curious as to what came before it and, and all that. And they'll start looking into it or they'll find somebody who writes an article and they'll go, that's interesting. And they'll, they'll, they'll look into it. So it's the, it, it used to be, it was fu- funny. I was just seeing a thing, um, uh, TV spot that Harlan Ellison did years ago, where he was talking about uh, filmmakers and authors who were huge back in their day. You know, they were you know world famous and wrote best-selling books that got made into movies and are gone from the public consciousness now because people have just forgotten about them. They just didn't live on. That used to be possible. It's not as possible these days. Every, if, if something's around right now, it's being archived and it's available somewhere on the Internet or, you know, reprinted and CBR'd. So, you know, if you, wanna, if, if you are as so curious as you want to, you know, delve into the complete DC histories, you've got things like, you know, Mike's Amazing World to go to and find every little detail that you need so they'll they'll find the good stuff and some of them will some of them will like it some of them will just go ah whatever it won't be their their cup of tea or whatever but it's it'll always find an audience even the stuff that people can you know consider super goofy at some point you know i mean there's a big hoopla right now about the adam west batman being reissued Right, because there's a huge fandom fandom for that.
0: All right, what's Scotty nope. has one for you here. Yeah. This this is his last question. He says, uh, "If you had never been affiliated with all the drugs and people mentioned in your Chris versus Drugs storytellers episode, how different do you think
1: you would have been then and now?" That's a tough one. <laughs> um, the thing is. I don't think I'd be in a different place doing a different thing now because the prime motivator of what got me here now was before I even thought about touching any drugs or any of that was star Wars got me into filmmaking, which got me thinking that I had to go to film school, which, you know, got me to Rochester. Um, I think I would, have. I think I would have, I don't want to say a shallower view of humanity, but I've definitely met by doing, you know, going on Grateful Dead tours and stuff like that. I've definitely seen and experienced people that I probably would not have found myself around normally, but I've also been around the people that I would have been around normally, too, who who aren't involved in that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I think I probably would have ended up here podcasting and I probably would have ended up, you know, going to RIT and meeting more or less the same people. Um, That's that's, that's a tough one, you know, without a time machine. Personally, I wouldn't change it. (laughs) I wouldn't change much of anything of my past except for my greatest regret, which we'll get to later. (laughs) All right. So now we've got a a double header from Tom Paneris. You get to relaunch one franchise movie or television but not Star Wars or Star Trek. What would it be? How would you do it? And would you reboot entirely or keep established continuity? You first. <laughs> this
0: is a bitch of a question cuz I I've agonized this over this one perhaps more than any of the other ones and uh man, I I don't know. This is a really, really, really tough one. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, though, maybe I found a loophole because I'm thinking I was thinking he was talking like reboot, but he doesn't say reboot. He says relaunch, you're, right? I think you're going right to the same place I'm going. Uh, I don't know, but then again, he says it can't be Star Wars or Star Trek. Oh <laughs> shit!
1: Oh, you would think um, it'd finish enough. Enterprise, Enterprise, yeah, that's where I was kind of thinking. Mm.
0: You know, another one that I wish that had played out more. But then again, when I when I watched later episodes, it was starting to peter out. There was one called Dark Skies that I was really into for a while. But I don't know. Let me think. Relaunch one franchise, move your television. Whew.
1: I got a good one. Damn, I don't. I don't know. All right, go ahead. What What is yours? Well, I mean, the first obvious, my first obvious thought would be Firefly. Cause I really liked Firefly yeah, but I then I thought nope you know what I'd like to see relaunched and finished off Sarah Connor Chronicles
0: oh yeah yeah I would not mind seeing that yeah because I was digging that that show. was a good it that really was a was.
1: really good show it was all the way through and then it just it, was. it just was done Ends, yeah just it just ended on so cliffhanger its, no less yeah it just ended in the middle of its thing and I thought it was really well done and uh plus we got to meet John Connor at, at Dragon Con that was pretty cool
0: that was cool um damn that's a tough one for me movie or t- see I'm Movies I can't really think of because I tend to think that movies get run into the ground with sequels and stuff so I can't off the top of my head think of a of a movie where I'm like, "Hey, you know, I wish they'd make more of those or what?" Cuz like Apes is back in a big
1: way. Um What about an Apes TV show?
0: Nah. Eh. <laughs> yeah, not
1: so much. Yeah.
0: Um gosh i'm sorry i can't think i I, yeah sarah connor's a perfectly good answer because i was that was like the last tv show i was really into i mean like really into i watch other shows these days but there's not i mean any one of them i feel like i could just walk away at any time there's nothing i'm really like into right Mm now so yeah that's as good as any I, i mean I was tempted to say like the flash because I really liked that. But I mean, you know, he's about to get a new life with a new show. I don't know that I'll watch it. I'll be honest, but you know, he's, he's getting a second life. So, you know, who knows, but, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Sarah Connor's a good answer, I guess. Uh, piggybacking on Jean's question. He says, uh, how is your approach to publicizing TTF or how has rather your approach to t- publicizing TTF changed as you have grown? Also, any advice you can give to smucks like me, um, no <laughs> yeah. You
1: don't want Wait, advice uh, from us. We're crappy at publicizing ourselves. Yeah,
0: I was just gonna say. I think if anything, our, our publicizing ourselves is
1: really slacked downhill. off. It's yeah, sweet. it's bad. We used to be all over
0: the net, you know, pimping ourselves. But the problem with all that, we had less. Is to it, do then? Yeah, it takes a lot of friggin' time to to pimp yourself all over the well, place. There was a time and,
1: period when we were just doing our shows and we were both unemployed.
0: Yeah, so it's exactly.
1: go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now so a lot of it changed. now.
0: I'll be honest with you. You know, we 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 let the. So far as I know, Twitter still automatically tweets out when we post new episodes. I I hope. I don't know if it does or
1: not. It's supposed to. Like I was saying on a thread about that sort of thing, though. Twitter, you have to run a Twitter feed. You know, Twitter needs like a two true like needs a true two true freaks Pete hash feed where it's like puked in my own mouth today. You know, or something that people follow like a storyline and then it's like new episode bleh, and then you get it. Out. But like that's what people follow Twitter for is like an interesting commentary on something, a, a quotable thing. And it takes right. I, I I could do it, but I just don't have time to do it. I have time to do sort of what I do. <laughs> and, right. I, and I struggle to get that, you know, I, I struggle to get that done in the in the 12th hour So yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's hard. You know, we, we do a lot of, I mean, we get most of our listeners. I think the, the old fashioned way we earn it, we get it by word of mouth. I think more than anything else, we might take that out someday or something. So next
0: question, J. David Weeder asks, why have we not heard any coverage on captain Canuck um, I would say because I like good comic books Ooh. next question
1: um,
0: Jason Ritter asks if you were captain of the USS Enterprise who would be your crew on it Ooh, um, I'd say pretty much go with the classic guys replace Ohura with um, Denise Crosby's character um, and replace Sulu with anybody else and that's pretty much my ideal crew at the Enterprise. I,
1: I would have the old school crew and I would throw Picard, Riker, and... Picard, Riker, Worf, and Data into the mix just to watch the drama. <laughs> just to watch the drama up between, like, you know, Riker, Picard, and Kirk are all going to be, like, Oh, that's gonna be a three-way sword fight. Oh,
0: I'd want to bring Wesley over just so he could be a red shirt. It's for Kirk's a whipping price. Yeah.
1: Um, Worf would be all kinds of crazy and scandalous, and and you know, in that, in in those days, and would be able to. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Whenever they dealt with Klingons, they could just send Worf there, and he could take those old-style Klingons and break them like twigs. <laughs> And you get to watch the like Data and and Spock jockey for you know who's the most you know logical and and quickest on the I mean Data'll smoke um, Spock on like calculations and stuff that'll cause all sorts of trouble with Spock's half human side so there would be some good drama in there um, no Counselor Troy no no.
0: I don't need her bullshit. All right. All right. Next one is from Kirk Greenfield. The crew of the Firefly. Same question, I guess. i
1: never seen it. Never seen it? I have no it? idea. I, I would never keep the it. original crew, and I would add Kurt Russell as <laughs> Snake Plissken. Would fit right in and would be very helpful to that crew. And that is all. That was a That was a perfectly cast show with that that was a, that was one of those shows where like you know the the crew was a character unto themselves and the ship was a character unto itself so it was very star trek-y in that manner but it was like star trek mixed with star wars you know the ship was very millennium falcon personality wise
2: right. right
1: all right anyway chris tyler wants to know where's my corp stipend in my pants <laughs> <laughs> i have nothing to add to that all right and chris Tyler's back with scott pitch us your superman story you'd like to tell oh and same question for me um he says i've had this one in mind for a long
0: long long time and as i was thinking about this the other day it suddenly occurred to me that damn this is going to sound an awful lot like another uh superman story from not too many years ago that is wildly popular yet i can't stand so that's really (laughs) kind of weird but i've had this idea in my head for a long long time so it's essentially i haven't worked out all the details of it but essentially the idea i had and you got to remember i was a kid when i thought this idea up but the idea that i had was that basically superman loses the love of the people you know, the people of Metropolis, people of the world, whatever. He loses the love of the people as the hero of the people. And he's replaced by, for lack of a better term, superior man. Who's like another superhero, stronger, more powerful than he is, more charismatic, who's, who really plays to the people. Superman, somehow or other, through the course of the story, figures out that Superior Man is actually not everything he seems to be. He's actually evil or he's, you know, he has he has sinister designs. And so he's got to take the guy down. However, the people love the guy. And so they they start to see Superman as the bad guy. Like Superman is just jealous and and he's trying to... Sour grapes, yeah. Yeah, sour grapes. So he's trying to do what he's doing to dethrone Superior Man because he's just jealous of him and everything. He can't stand being replaced, essentially. And so it's Superman trying to do what Superman does... For, against someone who's much more powerful than him, taking the guy down and trying to like win back the love of the people and and you know be the hero again. And as I was thinking about this idea, it sounds a hell of a lot like um, what's so funny about truth, justice, in the American way. But the thing is, I hate that friggin' story because. While it has a lot of the same elements, at the end of the day, Superman is not heroic at the end of that story. He does something in that story well, that Superman would never they're, do. They're,
1: I mean, it's those are common elements. Those are basic Superman tropes. I mean, the same thing happened sort of, didn't Luthor become like president or there's yes. several storylines where yes. Luthor's- I'm
0: actually going to be talking about that a little bit later in these questions, believe it or not. So yes, but yeah, that did happen. So, I mean, that's my basic pitch. I'd have to work it out a lot.
1: It's a good story to to focus on what makes Superman Superman. Exactly. That would would, would be what I would want to see in a Scott Gardner Superman story. Mine's a little different. Um, Mine would be a giveaway for schools, and it would be written by Dr. Ruth Westheimer. (laughs) It would be called Suberty. and it would be about when superman you know in smallville went through puberty and it would be for kids for little boys you know to to help them through puberty but it would be superman dealing with with his super pimples and super nocturnal additions that he has to fix the roof on the house (laughs) in the morning before ma can't see them. most kids had to hide their you know their sheets Superman had, you know, Superman sheets were gone, man. They were just shot out the hole in the roof. So, yeah, and it would be, <laughs> it would be interesting. It would put it in a super perspective for the kids, in comic book form, and it would give Doctor Ruth something to do. <laughs> is she even still alive? Oh yeah. Oh, All right. Oh yeah. This must she must be like 115 like e. by now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Et. <laughs>
0: All right, the next one from Jason Ritter is who is your, in Picard voice, number one? What does that um, even mean? I don't even know how the hell to answer this question. You know, who is we that? got a lot of questions like this. And I mean, frankly... Basically,
1: you and I would each be each other's number one because each of us would think the other one, that we were the captain and the other one was the <laughs> second in command, but... Yeah, I guess. Is he trying to start a fight? Is that what's i don't yeah i don't know
0: <laughs> okay so chris tyler asks if you actually had to be grilled would you be marinated or he 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 says rubbed and what would you taste like i imagine honeywell would be a little gamey
1: <laughs> why can't you be marinated and rubbed yeah there you not go not necessarily in that order
0: it reminds yep. me of a joke that or not a joke but a story that randy used man. to tell
1: who Throw is that the smoker
0: who was that douchebag that Randy took to hanging out with there for a while in the in the nineties, right before I moved away? That that kid from high school that I never liked. Oh, I can't remember his name. He lived up on Ridge Road. He was he was he was just a douche. I can't remember what his name was though. But anyway, Randy tells this story about how they went out to eat together one time. They went to, like, this nice restaurant. Now, what the hell Randy was doing in a nice restaurant, I'll never know, especially with this friggin' clown. But they went there, and he said that this, this waitress came over to take their order. And he said she was drop-dead gorgeous. Asks his buddy first, not Randy, but his... I can't remember that kid's name. And he asked him, uh, or she asked him... Uh, uh, he, he ordered like, I don't know, like a steak or something. And she said, how would you like your meat? <laughs> and he said, sucked. <laughs> and Randy said he just wanted to like crawl die under- and crawl under the table. You know, he said he was he said he was never more humiliated in his whole life. And she was not amused. No. So, yeah. But I, just this question just made me think of that, you know, because I, I, that's something I can almost imagine. Uh, I can imagine Hiro doing something very similar to that. Actually,
1: he's too polite in normal society. I don't know. We saw a side of him that, you know. <laughs> I don't he, know. He knows when and where to drop the bomb. That's all I'll say. He just says <laughs> that He just doesn't do random carpet bombing. He has a pre, he precision. <laughs> He has precision-guided missiles. <laughs> Alright. So, here we have a fanboy-miss prime question. So, Scott, why don't you like anime and manga? I mean, as a form <sighs> of storytelling, and that's just as a generic title. There's literally mountains of different stories and genres of, I guess, anime and manga would be what he's meaning there. Yeah, I man. Don't...
0: Here's the thing. Can't... Can you not just, like, not like something just because <laughs> you just don't like it? I don't understand why everything has to be, like, analyzed, you well, know? Because I've had this question a million friggin' times. Like, why, why why, are you so down on anime? Or why are you so down on manga? You know, it, it's more than, you know, it, it's, oh, blah, blah, blah. like he says, it's, you know, it's different genres. And different. Well, it's true.
1: Here's too, the thing. But it, it takes a lot of time to look through it. You have to have the desire to search through exactly. all of them. It's like, walking through, it's like walking through an art gallery
0: and you get to a picture and you just go, bleh. I don't take the time to stand there and go, now why am I having that reaction? Why do I think this picture is bleh? This is I just go,
1: that bleh. Very similar just to just how people on, feel about know? rap music. It, yeah. There's a lot of people who go, I don't like rap music. And then the, the automatic response, and I've done it before, is you go, well, you know, there's so much rap music out there. It's right. bound to be something you you you'd like, and that's absolutely true, but that means that person has to be like, okay, here's something that I didn't like off the outset, but I'm gonna start listening to volumes of it, right, and try until I find the, the one thing that catches, you know, and it's it's more like you just have to you know wait till you see something that catches your eye that you like, like, I mean. I I'm, I've found anime and manga that I've liked, but it's just been randomly someone said here, look at you know, uh, look at this, or I read about it somewhere like uh, Akira, uh, you know, a very go-to, and a lot of the big ones like um, Howl's Moving Castle and stuff like that, stuff that's gotten that's high budget and gotten you know, uh, international distribution and played like in art houses, and you know, I hear about that, but like the TV series and stuff never you, i ha, it hasn't caught on to me you know and and taking the time to 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 investigate it is just like especially when you start becoming a geezer it's 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 hard especially when there's other stuff that you <laughs> that you that's in your wheelhouse that you're really into that you're trying to get time to get to right yeah, I I don't know. I, I I hate to sound
0: dismissive, but it's essentially what Chris said. I mean, it's the same thing. There, there's so many things in my life that are kind of the same thing. Rap music's a great example. Country music. Can't friggin' stand it. Now, I've heard the occasional country song. Where I'm like, hey, you know, that's not half bad. Yeah, you just but posted just, that
1: Chainsaw song a couple weeks back.
0: I don't consider that country music, though. Maybe like country, country rock. rock or something. Yeah, something like that. But I mean... They're probably out if I waited through it enough I'd probably find some anime or manga that I that I could dig or that I could get into but it's just I I don't have as a general rule I just don't have any interest in it there's it, it just doesn't appeal to my sensibilities I guess is the easiest way to put it. Uh, moving on here. I really like this next one from Andrew Gilbertson. He asks favorite and least favorite Disney films, both live action and animated. And that's wow. That's a great it's question. A one. It's a good, yeah, it is. It is a tough one. Cause I, this one, I'm trying to do these as rapid fire as we can here. And, uh, some of these are, are ones you really have to stop and think about. Um, I'm just going to go as much as I can off the top of my head. So I'm going to go with animated first for favorite and least favorite. Um, And I'm gonna have to say favorites with a you know plural because it's hard to narrow down to like just one. But with on the animated side of of Disney films, favorite films, um, I love Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean, it's a classic. It was the very first full-length animated film that was ever made. Walt bet the farm on that movie. And it was the Star Wars of its day. And without Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Because that movie, you know, it it set everything forward for for everything that Disney is. Um, Dumbo has always been a favorite movie of mine. Even long before I became a Disney fan, I've always thought Dumbo was just an incredible movie. Um, I can't watch that movie and not ball but also it's richly detailed in, in the animation. It's just incredible. Both those movies, both Snow White and Dumbo, it's amazing to sit down and watch those movies and have to consciously remind yourself, you know what? Men and women dr- sat down and drew this movie by hand. No computers back in those days. You know, That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You sit down and you see the level of detail in those. And consciously think about it; it'll just blow you away. The, that human hands created that movie, you know, drew it, and is it, it, they're really incredible movies. Um, on the flip side, the least favorite of the animateds, um, pretty much anything in the '70s. I never liked Robin Hood. I consider that one of the weakest films from like the classic era of Disney films. A lot of the new stuff coming out these days, I really don't like. I really didn't like Frozen. I'm trying to think. There was that stupid one with cows a couple of years ago that had Roseanne Barr, of all people. Now, if there's one person I think so, should, That
1: one like disappeared like yeah. almost instantly. I remember I mean, that. If, if there's
0: one disgraceful personality in the world that needs to be nowhere near a Disney property, it's Roseanne Barr. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a couple other the 70s ones I never cared for very much. Live-action favorite is, you know, that's really easy. Tron is my absolute favorite Disney live-action movie. And so inspirational for so many reasons, not the least of which is that all these great movies that are coming out these days from, you know, from Pixar and from the Disney digital stuff, you know, all the movies with all this, you know, top-notch CGI all those movies owe back to Tron. None of those movies w- would have happened without Tron, you know, setting that bar for computer graphics and everything. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other live action ones I like, but that's that's my absolute favorite one. I, I'm a, still a big fan of the uh, of the Black
1: Hole as well. I always liked that movie quite a bit. Those are going to be least two were Tron and the Black Hole for yeah. live action.
0: Um, least favorite live action is really tough because you know I. A I lot. To, well, I mean, I tend to shy away from from the ones that I don't like. You know, I mean, I, I I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't seen near as many Disney live action films as I've seen. You know, of course, the animated films because I I think we're still more renowned for our for our animated, although our live action really does outnumber the animated by quite a few. Um. Off the top of my head, what, what, the first one that struck me was uh, I sat down recently because I really wanted to, to beef up on my you know my job knowledge for for lack of a better way to put it. So I was trying to make my way through a lot of the films that I haven't seen. And I wanted to start all the way back at the beginning, you know and, and just kind of go in chronological order, starting with you know the first movie I hadn't seen. And the first one that I hadn't seen was um, Treasure Island. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was our first live action flick, and I couldn't make it through it. It's not that it was like poorly produced or poorly put together; it just couldn't hold my interest. I, I just found it really dull. And again, a lot of the stuff coming out in the '70s, I think Disney just—I think that's why I didn't grow up a Disney kid because in the '70s, when we were growing up, we were just—you know—Disney as a company was just in a real slump. And so there's that whole string of just, you know, movies that just didn't appeal to me at all. You know, because that was the same time like Star Wars was out, you know. So here Star Wars is setting this whole new bar and this whole new level. In the meantime, Disney's still piddling around with movies that felt old even when they were brand spanking new. So, and see, I can't even think of the names of any of them. I want to say stuff like. You know, like Apple Dumpling Gang and Pete's Dragon and stuff, but I mean I know those movies like are considered Pete classics, Dragon. so I don't want to you know I don't want to insult anybody, and I know my wife like adores Pete's Dragon, but movies like that 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 were coming out from Disney in the seventies, I just had no interest in that stuff at all, never did. So I don't know. That's kind of a that's kind of half assing it for a live action. It's a, that's a favorite, would but... take
1: some research. I mean. Yeah. You know, my two favorite animated are definitely um, Alice in Wonderland, because that's the first Disney movie I ever saw, oh, and really? Fantasia, because that was Fantasia, just basically, yeah. like, the uh, full realization of animation at the time, and beyond. it was, you know, it was the George Lucas Star Wars of the time, of where it's like, let's invent new technology, and do the you know more than anybody's ever done with animation let's take it as far as we can possibly take it right and uh and it's impressive and it's it's fun to watch too it's not just a technical you know a- accomplishment and then tron in the black hole for live action picking least favorites is is hard for me you know my uh, you know i think a lot of my least favorites sort of fall of the animated fall in the recent times where they've done a few few cookie cutter ones in between I, i i seem to remember going to see mulan in the theater and being like well there was nothing to stand out in that movie right at all you know song wise or visual you know it was just like okay that was just a formula of the new disney thing but it's since undergone another renaissance since then so there was definitely a lull, in then in live action, there's just so much live action that I, you know, basically almost anything that they do for TV, you know, that's kid aimed live action is I usually cannot. It's it's abhorrent to me. You know, it's usually it it epitomizes the the worst things about the characterizations people make of that say you with the the people who the stereotypes of disney you know the just sort of vapid and sterile stuff like that's the like live action kid preteen shows always seemed really like canned to me and like the the music that comes out of them is like the the yeah but i i couldn't think of specific maybe apple dumpling gang 2 <laughs> <I don't> know <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we should move on. All right. This is from Alan Middleton. What is Foster the Mr. Allen? Yes. What is the least geeky thing, activity, book, TV show, movie that you each like?
0: This may be the one question that completely bamboos. You know, I can't even say it. like Be like, like, I, be like I do
1: needlepoint.
0: You know, I, I try to think about this a lot. But, you know, everything that I'm really into, I think, could be tied to a geeky interest. Because, you know, I could say, well, you know, the Titanic. But I think I think that has a level of geekdom to it, you know. I could say, oh, you know, the, the space program. I think that's definitely a geeky definitely. thing. Definitely. Because I think that oh, was all into my sci- love of science fiction and stuff. So I really struggled with this question, trying to come up with, like, What's the least geeky thing? Because I'm not into sports, which I also think is kind of geeky in its own way. I mean, there's such a thing as sports geeks, right? Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you know, least geeky thing that that you each... I I mean, there were movies that I liked on HBO that... I can remember like my parents or you or like today, like my wife, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about some movies. We'll be talking about HBO or something, just kind of reminiscent. And I'll mention a movie. And she's like, you, you, you watch that. You liked that movie. And it just shocks her because so out of my wheelhouse, you know, something like, uh, like desert bloom or on golden pond or something like that. I mean, I like those movies. I thought they were perfectly good movies. They're definitely not geeky movies or not, you know, necessarily in my wheelhouse. So I guess that, you know, surprises are on that level, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's much of an answer, but I, I can't really think of like the least geeky right. thing. I'm trying to think if there was like ever like a like a chick flick that I really liked or something. I can't. Th- you know, you I can't saw really that think lawyer
1: like um... Which lawyer movie? Where the where McCon? It was a McConaughey movie, I think. He's a lawyer oh, the, and drives around oh, he, in his car. The
0: Lincoln lawyer. The Lincoln lawyer. I mean, I, I, mean, I went because my wife wanted to see it. It was all right. I
1: remember you um, were like, yeah, it wasn't a bad movie at all.
0: Yeah, it wasn't was a bad movie. I mean, i you know, I've definitely seen things like that that I liked. But they're not, like, a pursuit other than geeky. Yeah, not a pursuit, which, you know, I'm trying to read his question. You know, I'm looking at his question here again, and it, he doesn't say, like, the least geeky thing that you're, like, seriously into. He just says that you like. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, a movie could be fine, you know. I'd say, I don't know, like, on Golden on Golden Pond, I guess, is a good answer. I like that. I don't what about there's
1: got to be some TV shows that, like, you're, you watched with your wife that she watched that you got hooked into Um, that you're willing to admit?
0: Not so much, really. No, I mean most of them that we found common ground with, you know, had some sort of geeky element Something to it. I think um, really
1: grip onto.
0: I because mean, you know, the, I'm thinking, trying to think of the shows that we ever like actively watched together. We watched Lost, which was definitely geeky. Yeah. We watched ER for a long time. I don't know if that one counts or not. No, and I, I dug it's that one quite TV a show. bit until it just got ridiculous. Right it, it, at the point where they, they had were just um,
1: killing people and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, they had the the guy who played. God damn it, I can't think of his name. And I love this actor too, and I can't think of his name. But he played. You remember RoboCop, right? Yeah. So there was the guy with the really freaky, you know, the the freaky haircut and the freaky beard. He was the guy that RoboCop caught at the gas station. Right, right. And he takes off on his motorcycle and gets all messed up. I can't remember that actor's name, but years later he would play one of the head doctors on ER. And they were, they were working on kind of developing his character and his backstory and everything. And it looked like he was going to end up hooking up with the hot British chick that was on the show. She's now Doctor Who's, like, girlfriend or something. And the last couple of times I saw Doctor Who, she's on there now. And it looked like it was going somewhere. And then there was this episode where he walks outside and a helicopter falls on him and kills him. <laughs> a helicopter! I'm like, What? And I just was like, ah, screw this. And I exactly. stopped watching a cold turkey at that point. But up to that point, I was watching it. So I don't know. I, the ER, I guess. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I read a lot of books that are uh, non-geeky. You know, not like I love the novelist John Irving. And I like to read, like, I'm just reading a Carl Jung book right now. But I'm also reading two geeky books at the same time. I like cooking a lot. I like food preparation and usually sort of pursuing that and i'm i've been really interested in alternate energy and live like like i guess it is or or like living small like living on a low low budget with you know low use of of resources basically it's all low budget yeah i guess it is (laughs) <laughs> and, and like the first thing that popped to my mind was like music I'm a huge music nerd but there you go I'm a music nerd yeah yep. so
0: yeah it's hard it's it's hard to detach because I think and most anything can be can f- be I,
1: I love playing music and doing stuff like that but that's all I consider that nerdy geeky stuff you have to be if you're gonna do it because you have to anything you have to practice <laughs> right <laughs> it makes it nerdy geeky or study or you know or learn about Gene Hendricks asks knowing what you know now what one thing
0: would you have done differently when starting up two true freaks
1: that's a tough one that is a tough one I think I I, you know my first gut feeling would be like yeah maybe we should have started our own web page from the beginning but it's better we didn't it was good to have Libsyn at first to sort of hold our hand, you know, make it easy on us as as training wheels. I don't know. I often
0: wonder how things would have gone differently at the beginning if we had either never done or sat on for a longer time the Dark Knight episode. Oh. I often wonder how that whole thing would have gone down. Because I don't know that we made friends and influenced people right out of the gate with that episode you know what i mean i I think as as a matter of fact i think it kind of put us behind the eight ball for a long time i don't think the other shows the bigger shows that were existent at the time took us seriously because we kind of came out of the gate with that show Uh uh-huh so i often wonder how things might have played out differently but you know at the same rate i'm i'm one that tends not to not to look back too much. Not to yeah, regrets, I also think you know? maybe we
1: might wanted to have been formatted earlier, but you know, right. our monthly Mondays and stuff. But we actually got into that groove pretty quickly. <laughs> we did, and I and I think we needed some warm up episodes in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, You know, the, the episodes to learn what we were doing and what we were going to be like, and and as soon as we figured it out, we just boom, went into the. I don't know. I'm pretty happy with how we how things have gone. I'm sure there's things that we could have done better. We could have definitely like, gotten better equipment earlier and stuff like that. But at the same time, we probably only got equipment. Because we probably got our good equipment as soon as we could actually afford it because we're both notoriously broke.
2: Yeah, That's it's very a
1: true. Tough question that we sort of didn't answer. Moving on. Robert Ward asks, What band, if you have one, do you have the rockiest love-hate relationship with? Is there a performer band that you can absolutely love half the time but find yourself hating the other half?
0: Ooh, That's a tough one because the hating part is – I yeah. wouldn't say hate. I would say there are definitely ones where it's like – right, yeah. uh, probably... The first one that came to my mind, I'm just gonna go with first instinct on these questions. I think from now on, the first one that came to my mind was Pink Floyd.
1: I could see the album Ummagumma not being up your alley. Yeah,
0: yeah. All. There, a lot of their early stuff, I can't right. really listen to. I don't really get into it. Plus, even at the, you know, when I was really seriously into them, there came a time where I was like, I can't listen to this for like six months because I, it just got you into such a dark place in your head, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so I would have to not kind the of happiest. Decompress- music. No, it's not. It's not at all. Especially when you couple that with, you know, when I was, when I was at the biggest of my fandom with Pink Floyd, I was also really into the stuff that Gilmore was doing on his own. Right. And the stuff that waters was doing on his own. Now the Gilmore stuff wasn't
1: too bad. The Gilmore stuff, is the, well, the stuff? early Pink Floyd and Gilmore, in the early Pink Floyd, a lot of it was pre-Gilmore, b- before right. he was a huge influence in the band. Right, it wasn't as depressing. It wasn't until Roger right. Waters took over, but there was a yeah. dis. But the it became more formed rock and roll with lyrics and stuff before where it used to be spacey, relaxing, trippy right. music.
0: But what your you couple like say listen to, the Wall, the Final Cut. And those two Waters albums that he did right around the same time, those two solo albums he did, one was like Radio Chaos, and the other one, I can't remember what the name of it was. I think it was a long title. You listen to like those four albums back to back, and you just want to slit your wrists. Yeah. It's, and it just, after a while, I just had to kind of walk away. I can't tell you the last time, <clears throat> pardon me that I dug out a, a Floyd album and listened to it. I probably love it all over again, but the last time I walked away, it, it, that was the feeling. I was walking away cuz it was just like this is just too soul crushing.
1: I listen you know? to mostly the early Pink Floyd now. Yeah. I don't listen to The Wall or the I listen to The Wall every once in a while like but like of the of the more quote unquote modern Pink Floyd like Animals and Wish You Were Here. You know I take that I mean one of them I did used to like
0: that I, I thought struck a nice balance between sounding like Pink Floyd but it wasn't like the depressing Pink Floyd was metal I always mm-hmm.
1: thought metal was a really it's very, good album it's a very um, David Gilmory album yeah it's a very yeah, it's sweet and and acoustic guitar and just very catchy and, and relaxing out it's a really good album.
0: I'm wondering if there's somebody out there listening going, "Holy shit, Gardner knows something about about something other than soundtracks?
1: Yeah, Scott Gardner. Scott Gardner had Pink Floyd bootlegs on vinyl before I did. So oh, yeah.
0: Oh. And I oh. sold him for a shit ton of money, too.
1: I would say, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Rob Zombie, but that's sort of, I don't know if that fits the question, because I hate his music. But I think his movies I think he shows sk- definite skill and promise as a filmmaker. I don't think his movies have been uh, like they've been about fifty percent successful with one movie being fantastic, but he obviously he's he's a filmmaker to watch and i and I hated his music and his videos and his whole style and when he made movies i I didn't have much hope for them being any good and his first movie was kinda like that but i saw something in it that showed that he knew the grindhouse drive-in movie and then his movies after that have been i found some really good stuff in it but as far as i i can think of motley cruz one where i hate a lot of motley cruz output it's just pure crap hair metal during a certain point but some of their early stuff was almost great proto-punk and it had an energy to it that sort of went throughout their career. But after a while, after the Bon Jovi influence, you know, Bon Jovi started making tons of money. Motley Crue started sort of going down the Bon Jovi road. And, and, th- and that's not a band that I, I guess I don't have a love-hate relationship to, I, although I love their first album too fast for love but um and their second album has a good cover of helter skelter on it but yeah i don't know usually with most bands i usually like i might have a love and then think some of their stuff is mediocre relationship with them but there's very few stuff that it's like oh i love some of this stuff this person does and i absolutely hate some of the other stuff that they do. m m maybe. I like some Eminem a lot, but then there's other m m that make me want to stick a switchblade in his eye. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Paul Spitaro asks, paper or plastic? Paper. Uh, paper. Fanboy is Prime, do either of you think that Martian the Martian Manhunter is cool? I don't really know anything about the Martian Manhunter, so... I, I think he's cool. I think he's got untapped potential. I put it that way. By his name, how could that he not be a cool character? <laughs> All right. I thought he was great on Justice League Unlimited. <laughs> Josh Baker wants to know, do these pants make my ass look fat? It's ginormous. Do you want the... Okay, since we're going honest, yes, they do. But, dude, we love you the way you are.
0: <laughs> Alan Middleton asks, which one of you likes me more? Scott. I think Chris does. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha, perfect. <laughs> Paul Spataro asks, why not? Good question, I agree. Why? Yeah. Uh, David Walker, do you know the way to San Jose? No, but I'd ask Siri. Getting directions to San Jose. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna sing. Sorry. Alright. Paul Spataro, who wrote the book of love?
1: Man, they oh god, they're trying and then Josh Baker wants to know who put the bop in the bop shabab. You're not gonna <laughs> get me to sing any songs. <laughs> Christopher J. Warden
0: asks, why?
1: I think Paul Spatara answered that one with, why yeah, not? Did.
0: Why not? Christopher J. Warden, the answer is 42, but what is the question?
1: What is seven times six?
0: Paul Spataro, why do fools fall in love? Uh, I don't know. Research it and get back
1: to me, Yeah, Paul. why do birds sing in the trees? Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. Jason Ritter, who is your man crush? Ooh. Ooh, you know, after watching the last episode of the the Star War, Star Trek Continues, I think I might be I might be um trying to squeeze ahead of uh, Bill Robinson on the guy who plays Kirk. He <laughs> plays a mean Kirk, man, and and the, this one is set in the mirror universe, so it's evil Kirk. All it takes place right after mirror, and they beam back and let me tell you they got a good Uhura on that too but uh, Vic Magnola, I think is his name man he just looks like Shatner he's got the mannerisms and in this one he's not just Shatner he's doing Shatner playing Evil Kirk so yeah if there's gonna be any kind of man crush it's gonna be on, on Evil Kirk not, not William Shatner Evil Kirk There is a strong possibility that uh, Bill
0: and I might wind up um, on panels at Conjure in in Orlando coming up in the beginning of August, Uh, wind up on panels having to do with Star Trek Continues. So it sounds like I'm going to have to get up to speed on that show pretty soon,
1: but uh, I'm hearing good things. Um, yeah, uh, I highly recommend that particular episode. It's the first one of these Star Trek remakes. I've enjoyed quite a few of them actually. But this is the first one that writing-wise, the acting is is better than that it's it's an improvement all around, but there's still some, you know, not some of the best acting, but story-wise the way it's shot the use of the music uh, uh, everything about it it just feels like an episode of Star Trek and it, I, it you know watching it I was thoroughly enjoying it Kirk, pun- evil Kirk punches out you know the guy stationed next to the elevator who just tells him something he doesn't want to hear at one point <laughs> and I just almost fell out of my chair not just in laughing at how funny it was but just in how perfectly awesome and perfect it was in Star Trek. And so it's just like, oh, yes, he just decked that guy. So I highly recommend it. And right. Crush, I don't think you answered. Oh, I was hoping you hadn't noticed that. I, I can't I can't think of anybody,
0: honestly. Um, I'm far too straight for this question. <laughs> I, I just I really can't think of a guy that's.
1: You know that that I get. You know I'm all You don't, all that ha- you don't have to, to get a true Woody about. You just have to be, it, it just somebody that like, man you, to you, me you implies... Almost somebody you would want to be. You know. You, yes. you know, yeah. like I mean, there's no, there's no. Next, though. I don't. There's, there's nothing, nothing gay about having be. a man crush on, say, Harrison Ford. No. Dreamy. No. Dreamy. Wouldn't you want to be Harrison? You know Ford? what?
0: After after seeing him,
1: maybe Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill's pretty freaking cool, man. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's like somebody you would want to be, you know. I'd hope to be as cool as Mark Hamill when I'm that age. So,
0: I, yeah, I'll, I'll say Mark Hamill. What the hell? That wasn't so cool. Um, When I saw Corvette Summer as a kid, I wanted to friggin' be Mark exactly. Hamill. Because he had that damn car. Yeah. At the time, I thought, what's your face from Ghostbusters was smoking hot. I don't know what the hell was wrong with me as a kid, but I did at the time. She had that crazy perm. or I Actually, I think it was a fake like afro wig or something. I forget now. I need to dig that out and watch it again. But yeah, I'll say Mark Hamill. What the hell?
1: Uh, Scott McGregor wants to know, Elvis Man or it's Beatles you know man? man? What Easy. a stupid question. Easy. You know that one. It's Beatles all the way with both of us. Easy. sorry scott i
0: was i was kidding buddy but seriously i've never liked elvis Easy. presley i know that that's sacrilege in some parts
1: of the country but i love the beatles can't stand elvis presley i can enjoy elvis presley to a limited extent now but yeah it's beat be, beatles all the way man someday uh, we'll get our two true two, beatles episode too
0: Josh Baker risks being thrown out of the two true freaks group by asking what's love got to do with it? I hate that goddamn song. It's love
1: but I hate quaint old Fashion Notion.
0: Oh, I hate that song. Anytime that song comes on, I'm just like gritting my teeth. The I would lick time. the
1: sweat off Tina Turner's thighs. Oh dude. Dude, you're <gasps> oh,
0: you're wrong. Mm.
1: Ah! Yeah. Alright. Jason Ritter uh. wants to know, does the dark <laughs> side really have cookies and milk? I oh, guess no, so. Dude.
0: Robert Ward asks, if you could strap down a fellow free Clockwork Orange style and make them watch a film or program that you like, or out of sheer amusement, who and what would it be? Oh, can I take this one? Yeah, it's all yours, man. Scott Rifan, Popeye. (laughs) Oh, I gotta say. (laughs) I don't know what the hell's wrong with that, boy, but Popeye is an awesome movie, Scott Rifen. You need to get over yourself already. Um...
1: He was just here, by the way, and we hung out, and it was a blast. That dude is a riot, man. Chris Tyler and I would make him watch Risky Business starring Tom Cruise in his whitey tighties. <laughs>
0: dun, 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 dun. I hate that song, too. Mostly because of that movie. <laughs> Robert Ward follows up with another question. What do you consider a more egregious form of torture? Making someone watch The Room for 24 hours straight or Chinese water torture? Now, confession time, I have no idea what the hell The Room is. Do
1: you? Yeah, I have. I did a a media masochist on it, so I guess I would take this Uh... one. I would take The Chinese Water Torture because The Room, (laughs) you you can actually glean some sort of insanity out of it, you know? And... You, by the end of, like, The Room, you could be at least laughing at the repetition of the horrible jokes and stuff, but Chinese water torture is just going to drive you out of your brain. But that's coming for me, and I like them bad movies. The Room is... They're making a movie about the making of The Room. So, <laughs> there you go. So, we got a, a another Scott Gardner for both of us, or, or Scotty Gardner. Is it another three-parter? Yes. Yeah four five and six
0: some good ones some really good ones here
1: okay this one's for both of us living or dead real or fictional who is the one person or group you'd like to meet face to face and then thank them of who they are and and what they do did man that's tough that is a tough one That is a really tough one I'm narrow I'm trying to narrow it down right now in my brain. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, was that
0: temptation for somebody, you know, big and famous like Walt Disney, you know, but But, there's always that that fear at the same rate that, you know, that maybe they wouldn't be the most pleasant person. Maybe catch them at an off time or maybe they weren't quite, you know, what their legend makes them out to be, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But then there's a lot of like just like simpler ones it's like, man, I I wish I'd caught this person when they were alive, you know, to, to, you know, to shake their hand or what because uh, somebody that just continues to increase in my mind you know it, it becomes increasingly one of those people like man I wish I'd had the opportunity is, uh, is Carmine Infantino. I really wish I'd had the opportunity to meet him when he was alive because I mean he really with his Star Wars work had such a profound impact on me personally not that Walt Disney doesn't of course but you know, it's like ultimately with Walt Disney's like what the hell would
1: I say to Walt Disney you know, he'd just think I was just some, you know... He'd be just like what everybody else would. I mean, he's... Yeah, familiar.
0: yeah, exactly. Whereas somebody like Carmine, it, it would be it would be that much more personal because, you know, there really was that direct influence, you know? But, I mean, there's there's a million other people like that that I could think of, but those are, those like, the ones that just, like, immediately popped into my head, I guess. You know, he also says, you know, living or dead. Uh, you know, there's still John Byrne, which, again, I, I, I have that fear. I've never met the guy, but I have that fear that if I ever met him, that he would turn out to be the asshole that everybody says that he is. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that's hey, a Bruce legitimate Bot- fear. Box lightener, yeah. yeah, exactly. That he'd turn out to be another Box Leitner. I have that concern. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons I've never gone to see him when he's come to areas around where I live or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I would still like to at some time, even if it's just a simple, you know, shaking his hand. Hey, thanks for everything you've done and walk away, you know, before he had a chance to be an asshole, you know, but I I would because again, you know, you talk about a guy with a profound impact on me. That's I mean, come on, John Byrne. Definitely. You know, I I don't know. There's a whole bunch of Mark Hamill, George Lucas. Love to meet George Lucas. I don't know, there's there's a long list, but most of them for me I think might have been pretty predictable
1: really, you know. If I had to pick one, I guess it would be Kurt Vonnegut. Just because I was always a big reader, but he was the first thing first writer that I wrote who just basically didn't write he he started out writing in forms, but then he just wrote whatever he wanted to write. There was like a freedom to that and that had a big effect on just my approach to art. Right. So if I had to pick one, all right, we got another one just posed for both of us, just like that: living or dead, real or fictional. Who is the one person or group that you'd like to punish harshly, harshly no less, for who they are were or what they do did? Man, I'm, all my all the, all the ones that come immediately in my mind are so political. It's that like I'm what the to na- you know the Nazis, yeah, the Nazis. <laughs>
0: there's there's a lot of current power figures that i'd love to see yeah, you know there's, their, their there's... feet put to the fire you know the the guys behind 9-11 whoever the hell you know they all turn out to be you know i mean there's anybody who's ever done anybody wrong and and seemingly got away with it you know and really deserved a lot harsher than what they got uh or you know any of those people would be you know the ones that i'd really want to see get it
1: yeah, so. I, I, you know, I don't like the people who steal steal money from the, the weak and the the poor and the weak, that sort of stuff, you know, like, uh, during the 80s, all those really predatory, like, creatures and stuff. Right. But most of those have right. all gotten their comeuppance. Right. I mean, again, it's you a know, while, a while, but, you know. I don't know it's it's kind of and it's also kind of it's also kind of uh, it it even when you're thinking of it as a hypothetical of just having the power to punish somebody and you know having to be absolutely sure you have to go for stuff like the Nazis where it's like it's a no-brainer that you know for the pretty much the Nazis were bad guys so it's like okay (laughs) right all right here's another one for both of you if either of you went power crazy, <laughs> if <laughs> crime syndicate style, and tried to take over the world, what device or power would the other of you use to stop the other one? Or would you try to stop him? Join forces with him? Oh, I would join forces.
0: <laughs> you and I. No I, think, I think we're already on this track, really. I mean, the only thing we lack at this point is I would love to have that big laser gun from uh, the Pink Panther Strikes again. <laughs> and you know, I'd love to be able to go on on TV and just be like, "Give me Cluso." Yeah, and we will all sleep secure in our beds, and then like right, wipe out the UN and stuff. I'd love I'd that. I'd be a
1: bigger, I would be a bigger jerk, and maybe have Scott and I have an agreement to pretend to fight each other.
0: <laughs> right, we we're actually in league with each other. Right,
1: right, but actually, uh, after we go have a big battle for everybody's benefit, and then we could go back and watch Star Trek episodes and back <laughs> up afterwards. <laughs> All right, Tim Elliott asks, Scott, if you could rescore any film, what would it be and who would compose the music? The what film would it be is a no-brainer.
0: The Legend of the Lone Ranger. I've been saying this for years. That's really the only problem I have with that movie is I don't like the stupid narration throughout it. I actually don't mind the score that much, but the narration just... Ugh, I think that's the biggest problem that movie has. But if, if I'm going to... Rescore it then it's got to be somebody completely different and, and totally rescore it. I would say somebody that has really impressed me of recent years is um, Henry Jackman who yeah. did X-Men first class he did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was a damn good score. I would like to hear that style of his music you know his his style of score like he did for for Abraham Lincoln applied to the legend of the lone ranger i think that would be friggin awesome i would love that so yeah that's
1: my pick why is the greatest criminal mind of our time surrounding himself with complete nincompoops? i'm back mr luthor at least i have cat-like reflexes (laughs) what is the sound of one hand clapping i'll give you the sound of one hand clapping upside your head (laughs) pally (laughs) All right, Tom Panarisi wants to know. Oh, uh, he's just commenting. He's making masturbation jokes. <laughs> Gene Hendricks wants to know how long before PodCon, presented by Tutu Freaks, becomes reality? Sooner than you think. I yeah, that would that would be one of our dreams, our more recent dreams. All right, fanboyist prime. We have a three-parter with him, Tom Panarisi, in the middle. Megatron or Galvatron? Then Tom Panarisi throws in or Trinitron. How about or Gigatron if you like Honest, how about Maskatron <laughs> honestly I've only heard of the Sony trim, Trinitron so yeah I, how about just Tron yeah how about Tronatron <laughs> Tom Paneri says I've got another question have you given any consideration to doing commentaries of films only available on beta Um, That would mean we'd have to get two beta machines. (laughs) Tim Elliott wants to know, what's in the box? Let's find out.
0: (laughs) Uh, For both of you, from Chris Tyler, he says you have the power to instantly remove a single person's entire creative... What is this word? Over, ovah? What is this word? I've heard it ovary. pronounced, but I don't know how to ovary. Out of existence. Who do you pick? Oh wow! See, I like uh, I like Kirk Greenfield's answer here. Osama bin Laden. That's a, that's. I wasn't thinking that
1: direction, but that's an avid answer. As it, I was thinking artist-wise. Right. Single person create. Okay, creative over. I guess so. Yeah. Um. Oh jeez, I almost want to say Zack Snyder, but I like that Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, I do too. I do too. (laughs) I'm sure I can think of a musical uh, piece of crap that I wouldn't mind uh, going away forever. I'll have to. I'll have to think. Uh, Yeah, I cannot. I cannot just charlie x someone out of existence without thinking about that sorry <laughs> i'll make you all go away <laughs> which okay jared wrightman wants to know which podcast well wait a minute i didn't get to answer oh, this one oh.
0: i'm just gonna go I, there's a million answers i could throw this was actually a really Oprah it, see, this is such a softball for me but uh i'm gonna go with the first one that popped into my head and this probably isn't gonna come as a surprise to anyway grant morrison Ah, oh, there you go. make that son of a bitch go away <laughs> i'll make you go away too
1: all right, Jason Reitman wants to know which podcast not affiliated with the Two True Freaks Network do you guys think really sucks? Name names. Oh my god, that's really oh sucks. We,
0: yeah, we could. All right, I, here's the thing. I'm, I'm I swear to God, J- Jared, I am not dodging the question. I honestly can't remember the name of the show, but there was a show. This was years ago, so maybe they got better. Maybe they've pod faded. Maybe they're not around. Yet. I have no idea. I I literally don't remember the name of the show, but it was a Star Trek based podcast that at the time was reported to be like either the biggest one or one of the biggest ones. I listened to two or three episodes and was like, this sucks so bad. Cause it was just, it was everything I never want to be in a star Trek podcast. It was doing all the catchphrases. It was super nerdy. It was encouraging people to write in with their stupid stories and, it was doing little skits and oh it was just it was excruciating to listen to it it reminded me like of a of a star trek version of like big bang theory or so it was just horrible you know i can't remember what the hell it was but it was awful
1: i had the uh, you see that's the same thing as i really can't think of any that like oh i hate that podcast because i would listen to them once in and listening again. Not, yeah, and yeah, researching Star Trek podcasts, I found or not Star Trek, Star Wars. Yeah, podcasts. I heard one that I remember that was kind of a big deal, but I can't remember. I don't want to say the say any of the names of the ones that are big deals that I'm thinking of because it might not be. You know, I might get it wrong. But I remember listening to one of those ones that I that was supposed to be a big deal and thinking, "This is horrible." It has right. No, content really and it's all trying to be slick and everything but there's nothing in it but people just sort of being cool but i don't remember yeah i can't i i'd love to name names and i have no problem naming names of stuff that i think it sucks but there's nothing that i really followed enough to get a grudge on right like that that i would remember them right and then we sort of have a section here in the facebook where that leads to someone bringing up some sort of Molly Ringwald podcast, and then they all talk about Molly Ringwald for a while. <laughs> right. We have to go down a little ways. All and right. So what's Fanboy what's... Miss Prime's back with? Either of you know who Doctor Insano is? I do not know wow. who Doctor Insano is.
0: Nope, no idea.
1: And then uh, Jason Ritter for for you? Do you care to watch Transformers Prime and Transformers Animated?
0: Um, no. I did try to watch Transformers Prime. Um, I. Th- found it to be very kiddie and didn't really hold my interest but I thought the animation was pretty cool. Here's the thing though, Jason, um, and for anybody else that wants to throw Transformers at us in the near future, my Transformers... Uh, fixation lasted like a week and it quickly passed so and I mean, it was mostly the movies right yeah I mean I, I really got into the movies for a very brief period thought they were really cool and I just kind of moved on with the whole thing to a point that the new movie's out and I haven't even bothered to go see it I probably won't go see it I'll catch it i'll definitely catch it at some point but I'm gonna wait until it's out on you know DVD at you know the red box or something I, I'm just I mean, I was never a fan to begin with, I really don't know that much about them, and all of my interest in them came directly from the three movies that were out, so sorry, I'm not trying to slag off the Transformers, it just seems like we get a lot of Transformers questions, and I frankly just don't give a rat's ass about the Transformers, sorry.
1: Alright, uh, Tim Elliott wants to know, where do they keep the nuclear vessels? Alameda. Getting us, Yeah, getting us on the NSA watch list. <laughs> all right fanboy miss prime wants to know what is your favorite of the big two annual story Ooh, damn how did i miss this question before because i thought i went through all these that one i missed um holy shit i can think of mine if you need some time to yeah go, on ahead, it. go ahead i like and i can't remember if it's a superman annual or whatever it was the one with swamp thing in it with the plant do you remember that one
0: Yes, for the man who has everything. Yes. Yes, that is a great story. That's yeah, like one you know, of my
1: favorite annuals yeah, ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah that is a great story Yeah, i never would have thought of that and you're absolutely right because I, I always forget that that's an annual i always think that that's a special
1: followed by the swamp thing annual where he goes to hell that's another one of my yep. favorite annuals of all that's time a
0: really good one there's that one star trek annual i think it's star trek annual number two by dc
2: oh that tells yeah how
0: the, how the five-year mission came to an end that's a really good one damn i had one in mind and now, now it completely fell out oh i know um X Men Annual Number Six, where they fight Dracula.
1: Ooh, it's still that's
0: a great one. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, I, I just got that signed by Sin at one nice. of the past Megacons. Um, oh shit, I, I sure, I'm sure I could think of a whole bunch of them if I really put my my mind to it. it. It's you know a lot of the ones that came out when we were kids, I thought were pretty good. It's it's in later years that they kind of started to to not
1: be so great. But I mean, you know, the the ones we just mentioned are pretty good ones, I think hey kids comics that's andrew Leyland. wants to know andrew what's your favorite episode of star trek oh, i know what man. mine is go ahead enemy within
0: i you know at, on a pure comedy level and it is a pretty good dramatic episode as well i, I love it on think, all levels
1: yeah actually
0: but i mean if i had to really think like i had to narrow it down like what episode do i think totally encapsulates everything that i think star trek is i i as much as I love the enemy within, I'd probably have to go with City on the, City on for- the Edge of Forever. City on the Edge Forever. I t- love that episode. I truly love that episode. But uh, yeah, hell, uh, Enemy Within is really high on my list. I just love the shit out of that episode. But uh, a lot of it, I will completely cop to the fact of it. Just, I love it because it's so cheesy and it cracks me the hell up every
1: time I watch it. I just die it's watching a feast that feast of st- all the Star Trekness all right Andrews on a roll here next one for you what's your all-time favorite movie score
0: uh, it's kind of a toss-up between the Empire Strikes Back and Superman the movie with me leaning just a little bit towards uh, towards Superman the movie I, wow. I, I really love that score but the thing with Superman you know it's, I think we covered this when we did our, our film score episode way back when the thing with film scores for me is that they make my all-time list, if there's not tracks I skip over when I listen to it, when I listen to Empire, I don't skip any uh, tracks that are on that album. When I listen to Superman, I have to admit that there are certain tracks that I'll I'll skip ahead on. So by that definition, I probably have to give the nod to Empire. But yeah, I mean honestly, because it doesn't those have tenured Superman. And see, it's not like I don't like that one, but you know when you're just listening and you want to just listen to the you know the the pure score that one kind of bogs it down right there in the middle all right they want to know She wants to know yes what is he was asking you what is your favorite rock album
1: it would have to be my favorite beatles album which wins because it's a double album which is the white album album. yeah because it's just i i love the white album it's you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, the Beatles were sort of going off in all their own directions, but I like that. I like that it's it's all over the place and they were, were changing up what, you know, who was playing instruments and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's one of the most interesting albums and most varied albums ever recorded. Uh, I just love it. But um, um, right behind it, sort of tied up with it, it's Rolling Stone's Exile on Main Street. But Beatles, since the Beatles are my favorite, they're just, that one's gonna, that would be more of a desert island. Which is on to the next question. You could take one comic or graphic novel collection on a desert island. What is it? Uh, I'd probably have to say,
0: probably have to say Crisis on Infinite Earths, just because it's a meaty read. And it, you know, it is my favorite comic story, so. I'd, I'd probably go with that one. I mean, there's other ones I can think of as well, but that that's the one that kind of popped into my head first. So I'll go with Crisis.
1: I, it's that's a hard one, hard one for me. I yeah, I it's it's hard to say. It might be this actually this Rick Bache graphic novel called Heartburst, which I just read because it, it it's just. It it was such a mind-blower when I read it. It has so much um, nostalgic value for me. And I could read it over and over again. And it's got boobies in it. And I'd be on a desert island, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Andy asks,
0: What story about a character you otherwise couldn't give a shit about do you like?
1: Jeez.
0: That's a tough one.
1: That is a tough one.
0: Off the top of my head, I thought of a story from... uh... There was a series called Hitman that DC did back in, I think this was in the 90s. And I, I couldn't give a rat's ass about Hitman. He was just kind of DC's, you know, it, it was like their their take on kind of the Punisher is the, how I saw him. But there was one issue that guest starred Superman where the guy's, he's up on the roof, he's setting up for a hit. And Superman just happens to land on the same roof and they just strike up a conversation. And it was a really good little story. And it it both simultaneously illustrated everything that makes Superman great, but also played him as incredibly naive at the same time. And I liked that. I liked that it could make me feel that way simultaneously about my hero that, wow, this is my guy. And wow, how could he be that naive? And I loved it. I thought it was great. And Hitman, I I could give a rat's ass about him, so
1: yeah, I'll say that one. See, it's hard for me because I didn't read a lot of that uh, the stuff with the characters in him to love or hate him. I I remember I wasn't a big fan of the Punisher, but I did like right. whenever he was would, would show up in Daredevil. Right, I was like yeah. Punisher, so I guess so that would sort of fit that question, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Andy asked a follow up question he says Chris have you ever read Viz I think you'd like it yes I have I have a few copies of it that I picked up at Garage sales and stuff it's sort of an anthology funny strip style and usually on the more tasteless side humor very British and yes I have some of the art in Viz reminds me a lot of uh, Two True Freaks listener Mark Kambach's art and uh so which is what, what, what another reason I'm a big fan of Mark Kahnbach's art. Fanboyman's prime
0: says who is the second Terra? If he's talking about the Terra that was in the Team Titans. I always like to think that she actually was the same Terra somehow.
1: Yeah, That's I have so no idea what right? he was talking yeah, on about. That, I, yeah, I don't I know. Thought that. I thought it had something to do with the Transformers. <laughs>
0: Uh, speaking of having no idea what they're talking about, uh, Chris Tyler asks, "You get to make a genre version of the Expendables. What sci-fi and fantasy characters are on your well, team?" The I, have confess, is, I have
1: not seen the Expendables. It's, it's basically the conception of it is they take all the action, big action movie stars from the '80s, and throw them together in a movie. So, it'd right. be like, you get to make a movie with a whole with a whole group of your favorite science fiction characters on a mission.
0: Alright, so let's go with the 80s. I would say Luke from The Empire Strikes Back, Robocop, Burton's Batman just because what the hell, John McClane from Die Hard, Indiana Jones just because why the hell not. Uh, who else? Who am I missing? Rambo. Um,
1: Rambo's, I well, Stallone's in The Expendables.
0: Yeah, but, but Rambo's okay. not in The Expendables. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. No, um,
0: the Terminator, just because you got to get Arnold in there somewhere. Who else? Who am I? Who the hell else was a big action star? In the 80s Don't ask that I'm me, missing?
1: man. I'm putting them in mind.
0: All right, go if you ahead.
1: Do any. <laughs> I would have Snake Plissken. I would have Kurt Russell's character from The Thing in there. <laughs> so it's I'll, a team of Kurt Russell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I would Price also, I would also Russell, have uh, Jack. Um, Jack from Big Trouble in Little China. Right. So I'd have three Kurt Russells, and then I would throw in Rowdy Roddy Piper from They Live, and that would be my team. That's all I would need. Maybe. <laughs> oh no 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 no. Bruce Campbell. On top of all of them. And was. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah, that works. <laughs> as Bruce Campbell. It doesn't even have to be Ash. It can just be Bruce Campbell. It's good enough. We'll
0: see. Uh, Tom Paneris. Oh no! Is he talking about the same? Okay, never mind. He's talking about something else. He he said here that that question is an entire podcast series in itself, but I, he's not referring to the same question. But that is true though that that question could be a whole podcast series in itself. I think Christopher J. Warden asks, "What's the untold tale of the TTF meetup in Florida? Who we will never tell." Well,
1: I know Sean Engel and I had a special flight on the uh, on that one ride far above <laughs> Disney. It was kind of nuts to butts But uh, other than that That's all you're going to know about that What's What happens in Disney World Stays in Disney World That's it Jason Ritter asks what is your favorite color Mine is blue Mine is red Red, that's a hostile color Yes, blood red <laughs> Not even candy apple red
0: Alright, let's see Not a bus- talk not about a bus- uh,
1: Dave, Dave Atterbury's wife being hot Yes, goes on she- for a oh, while here English,
0: <laughs> <can I? laughs> scroll down scroll down here we go tim elliott says scott and chris he says if your uh current self could time travel to meet your 12 year old self what
1: advice information would you pass on put down the friggin potato chips mine would be um in a few years you're gonna have a chance to share a tent with two nubile young girls and, we
0: have answered this question before.
1: Yeah, and you... as you gave the same answer uh, before. I'm a... i cons- am I am, if anything, I'm consistent. All right, All right Tamelea so wants Tamelea, to... Tamelea,
0: follows it up. Right, go, go,
1: go ahead. Do you have any regrets moving away from New York and Chris?
0: I have regrets moving away from Chris. I have no regrets moving away from New York.
1: Yeah, and, I, and, I, and uh, you know, let's, let's tell the truth here. Scott went on to meet his wonderful wife and have children and... All that was directly from getting out of Dodge and... Well, that was more getting out of Dodge in northern New York. Mm Because then you go to northern New York from Rochester and then down south. Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I miss friends. I miss family. I miss the familiarity of things that I grew up with. I really miss having Canada in my backyard. But... New York I mean as far as like where I lived I, I really yeah. don't miss it the weather just was murder and I, I it, it was it was just depressing and I, I couldn't ever go back to that again so New York itself no I really do not not at all uh, Tim Elliott follows it up he has some really good questions yes. in this I thought he says uh, if you could relive one moment from your childhood what would it be and why and this was a question for both of us
1: oh easy first viewing of Star Wars yeah. What, what, yeah. What, awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That that. I think that was pretty much what came right to me, my too. It's like, yeah. yeah. I'd and love I would to like But, you know, I it. wouldn't
1: yeah. like to have, obviously, like, my brain in there. I'd like to be, like, my childhood self again and re-experience my brain exploding. Right. Been chasing the dragon ever since. <laughs> All right. Fanboy, Miss Prime. Was that your answer, too, or... Yep. Okay. Yep. Fanboy vs. Prime Monster. So you, so you like the look of the Klingons and Into Darkness? You can't answer that one since you, well, you might have seen pictures. I thought the Klingons looked uh, okay yeah. and Into Darkness, that, yeah, that wasn't a problem with Into Darkness. The visual aspect of it wasn't a problem. I thought the Klingons, I didn't think they were too radically different. Gene Hendricks wants to know, Scott, if you could change one thing about Walt Disney World, what would it be? Chris, same question, but about the movie industry
0: yikes I mean immediately off the top of my head I'm, I'm tempted to say something jokey like you know we would ban all Brazilians or something but that's just being jokey um, honestly I, I, I would like to see it go back to a little more and this is going to sound a little sinister on the face of it but bear with me on this I'd like to see it be a little easier to weed out the non Disney people People that just, for whatever reason, aren't upholding Walt's legacy. Because during Walt's time, he was he was, you know, well known for being in Disneyland like all the time, and he was always out and about and scouting around to see, you know, what was going on in his parks, and if he found cast members that just didn't seem like they were really into it or what, you know, he kind of kind of moved them on. I, I wish we had things that were more like that going on. You know, I, I think it was, I, I think that it's very important that you're either really into it or you're, you're not there. And so I'd like to see that, but ultimately the, the big thing, if, if I could change one thing is just to bring things back closer to Walt, you know, in, in, in his vision of things, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, Walt didn't give a damn about money. It wasn't about money to him. It was about what he wanted to do, his vision, his dreams and people having fun together as families in his parks. And there's times where I feel like that is getting further and further away sometimes as, as a goal. And I don't think it ever should be so that that would be my biggest thing. It's just bringing bringing the Walt back into Walt Disney World.
1: If I had to change one thing about the film industry, there's a million things that need to be fixed in the film industry. but the one thing I think I would immediately take out would be the rating system. I would take I would have the rating system removed i I think it it's it's random the way they enforce it. And I also think it affects, it ends up negatively affecting a lot of movies because they will make a movie thinking of what they want to get for a rating rather than what they want to do as a movie. So they'll end up, you know, oh, I don't want to make this movie rated R even though it should be, so we were cutting for a PG-13. I would get rid of all that so you wouldn't have that sort of thing to place on the creative aspect of movie making. But it would be just a Band-Aid. But that's what I would pick. Cool. All right. Favorite conspiracy
0: theory: Eisenhower made first contact in the in the fifties, and it's pretty much been going that way ever since. You know, with uh, us
1: and ETs in the background. Mine is the Montauk Chair. That's my favorite. Look it up. Google it. All right. Uh, show issue so you are most ashamed of. Jeez, I don't yes. know. Early, early on, just on a technical. Aspect. I don't think there's a show content-wise that I'm ashamed of, or probably that you're ashamed of, because it probably wouldn't have made it out. You know, we we have a high embarrassment level, but at the same time, I don't know. Can you think of one that you were, that we put up that we're just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's ashamed some, of?
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say ashamed of necessarily. Something uh, that disappointed was... in. The most disappointed I ever was, I think, was the Rocketeer episode, only because I had such high hopes for that one, and then it was played on a technical level. It was ruined for me, so I would
1: say that one. But I'm not ashamed of it. It just didn't work. That's usually what ruins an episode: is you get it all set up for something. I was talking about one. I can't even remember who the guest was, but we'd have a guest, and then we lost the recording and had to record the whole thing right after it. More, you know, mortifying stuff like that, but. I don't know. I don't really have anything that we put up that I'm like I'm ashamed of that I'd like to have disappear, because I would have made it disappear by now. Right. Chris Munce also wants to know, Scott, when are you going to start that Romnibus podcast? Uh, when they add an eighth date of
0: the week. Ooh. All right, he also asked, Chris, the most uh, devious way the man is keeping us down, Big Macs and internet for bread and circuses.
1: Easy, the, the biggest way the man is keeping us down is with Facebook and keeping everybody fighting real good. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Chris Munz also asked, geeky thing that each of you do not dig at all. Uh,
1: sports? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sports is a good one. Um, Smallville. Uh, yeah, there's a whole
1: bunch yeah, of them. Any yeah, any there's... of that W B sort of stuff I'm I'm not into. Yeah. Arrow. Um, I haven't checked out Arrow but um it's Green Arrow. Yeah.
0: You yeah. know? There you go. I d I can't get any uh, further into it than that. It's Green Arrow. Uh Chris Tyler asked both uh he, yeah, he's asking both of us. He says favorite behind the scene production drama on a film can be one that even didn't get uh, didn't even get made this is more a question for you I think Terry Gilliam's
1: Brazil where they tried to cut it to a happy ending and he went to the wall and did not do it and they kind of screwed the movie by giving it a limited release but he got his movie out that was one of my favorite I remember hearing about it before the movie came out and then like seeing the movie two years later and going like alright this is still a, a twisted Terry Gilliam movie
0: Maybe, uh, for me, maybe Star Trek The Motion Picture is probably the one that I've, I've read the most about is just as far as, like, the trials and tribulations of getting that movie to the big screen. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say that one.
1: All right. Uh, let's this see. This sort of halfway down a paragraph, though. What uh, yeah. single prank or event pulled as a youth to you, in retrospect, feel was the most unequivocally shameful and remorseful one you've ever pulled and would gladly take back, given the chance? Jeez.
0: The one that came immediately to mind for me is I remember going out one time. I don't think you were with us, but I can't remember. But I remember that uh, when we started driving as kids, like me and Randy, and we used to hang out with Danny Leary and some other kids. We used to go out and, and, you know, like one of us would drive and then the rest of us would just raise hell. And we used to go out egging quite a bit. And I remember one time driving up and down that street there where they used to have the Jefferson County Fair. Yep. Whatever the hell. What what street is that? Arsenal Street or whatever? Street, I think. And uh, there was a nice car sitting on a guy's front yard. It was like a, I want to say it was like a, like a ragtop, like a Cadillac or some beautiful car. And we drove past that thing up and down that street for like two hours, just egging the shit out of it. And looking back on it now, I mean, you know, this was a long time ago. but yeah, know, poor still guy did nothing. Never did anything to. Do. What a horrible thing to do, you know? What a what a just plain freaking rotten thing to do, you know? And we only did it because we were stupid, we were young, we had nothing better to do, and we were juvenile delinquents, you know. And I just look yep. back at that and think, you know, one of those one of these days karma could come around on me for that and i'd I'd have no i'd have no defense whatsoever that was just a plain rotten friggin thing to do so i'll say that yeah i've got no excuse that was just a plain rotten thing for us to
1: have done i remember pardon me a couple points like picking on charles petty or um (coughs) greg barney remember him why don't you oh, go yeah. jump, up, jump in the lake, you <laughs> douche? And, uh, <clears throat> not as, <clears throat> sorry, not as much with Greg because I don't think he took it as <clears throat> getting picked on. But there were a few times that I was mean to Charles Petty, and now that I think back on it, you know, I should. You know, it was, it's it's terrible. He was just like quiet, poor, generally just picked on. Wanted everybody to leave him alone, and probably should have been left alone. We, we, although I remember you and I did try initially to make friends with him, but still, that's that's usually what I think of in in regrets are like, you know, picking on kids in school, you know. Right. Fanboy
0: Ms. Prime asks, do either of you read the IDW Star Trek comic covering the Abrams verse? I do not because I could give a flying about the Abrams
1: verse. I'd if I had more money I'd check him out because I don't know what the, the comics writers could be really good for it. I I, I recognize that the Abrams verse is capable of producing Star Trek I would like. It just needs somebody good writing it so I acknowledge that there's potential for that in the comics, I just have not checked them out yet um, Mark Kambach's got one for you, Scott what is the one thing that surprised you most about your work at Walt Disney World when you first started, or perhaps the most unexpected part of the job, and why what is the most embarrassing thing that has happened to you since working at Walt Disney World, ooh, little stinger at the end there, yeah,
0: I I like these questions, I really did, here's the thing, and, and again, Please don't take this wrong. This is not me ringing my own bell, but I I mean this sincerely. And it's funny because I was uh, talking to a a friend of mine, another cast member at work the other day who, you know, was, was telling a similar story to mine. And I found myself going, wow. Okay. So I'm not the only one, but so he says, you know, what, what's the one thing that surprises you most about your work or or the first thing that, you know, that was most unexpected when I got there was going through, you know, everybody goes through a class called Traditions. That's, you know, the the big, fluffy, magical, let's sprinkle you with pixie dust and get you really excited. Well, they didn't need to do that for me because I was psyched out of my mind to begin with. But that class should have been a bit of a wake-up call to me because through the entire course of that class, you know, a lot of it is on, on Walt Disney World history and the history of the company and the history of the parks and things like that. And I found myself following right along with it, being able to answer all of the questions. You know, there was a a quiz of the timeline of events and I was able to do it in perfect order and all this. And finding, at one point, I'm kind of looking around the room and going, am I seriously like the most Disney person in this room? And I find that a lot of times when I'm there, when I'm at work, that I'm kind of the most Disney person in the room most of the time. And while I think that's a a wonderful thing, at the same rate, it's kind of sad too because I really expected that this would be a place where I would go and be surrounded by people that were just as big of fans and, and, and excited and, and geeked out about Disney as I was and while there are most definitely people like that, don't get me wrong there's a lot of people too that are just kind of, they, they kind of come they, they do their thing and they go home at the end of the day and it's not that they're not passionate about what they do, they definitely are, but they're not like Disney nerds per se and that kind of made me a little bit sad because I really expected that there would be a lot more people like me that there's, a, there's a lot. Of, then there's there a to, lot
1: of people who just need a job. Yeah,
0: right. And and again, that's the kind of thing where I would have thought that those kind of people would kind of be weeded out of the process. You know what I mean? But then again, I think you know needed. we're the largest. Yeah, exactly. We're the largest single site employer in the United States, possibly the world at this point. We need bodies. You know, but again, if if I were running the thing. It would be, you are here because you are the best of the best of the best, and you want to be here. Not just because, well, I need a paycheck. And I like to think that, you know, on the whole, 99.9% of the people that we have are not just simply paycheckers.
1: But at the same time... Under under your regime, you would have to have, like, headhunters working at, like, you know, realistically, like, fast food places. Right, and finding people who are working for low wages, who are driven—you, you, you know the type. You know the the kids who right. like work really hard and like take pride in their job. Right, take them aside and go, "Hey, man, how'd you like to get a similarly paying job, <laughs> but it, with a better employer?" You know, and mm-hmm. and and do that, but that would be expensive and time consuming, right? Hard that. That's the hardest part of anything is keeping p- employees and keeping good employees. Hardest part of any business, I think. <laughs> um,
0: what is the most embarrassing thing? Um, that's a tough one, only because I don't. I don't really think a whole lot of embarrassing things have happened to me so far. Um, probably. I don't just off the top. This one just hit me off the top of my head. The the first time that something happened where I was like, I felt just kind of foolish, like, oh, how did I let such a stupid thing happen? You know, I live a long way from the parks. My my average drive to work is between 45 minutes and an hour. So I drove all the way in for work for a shift one day, and and I got to work and I was in my civvies, which I don't usually do. I'm usually dressed in my costume, ready to go to work. But for whatever reason, whatever was going on, I was I was in my in my regular clothes, and I took my costume with me. I get to work. I'm changing my clothes, and I realize I don't have my work shoes. You know, which are just you know they're black sneakers, or they were at this time they were black sneakers. I had my white sneakers. So it's like, what do I do? You know, I don't have a change of clothes. I you know I don't have the sneakers I need. There's nowhere for me to get them. I'm certainly not going to go buy another pair because I didn't have the money to do that, and I don't really want to have to drive all the way back home. So I go and I talk to one of my leaders and explain the situation. They're basically like, "I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you. You know, you cannot work in those shoes. So, you know, you, you basically have a choice of going all the way back home, you know, getting the the proper footwear, or you know, you can just you know have the rest of the night off. So I elected to take the rest of the night off, which of course you know, no pay or anything. But it was just about a wash between, you know, driving all the way back home, getting sneakers and driving all the way back in and then driving have to drive home that night again between gas and tolls and everything else. It was basically a wash. So I just went home and had, you know, basically a free night off. But that's embarrassing. I and I never do stuff like that. I'm Mr. Preparedness when it comes to things like this. So, yeah, that that was pretty stupid and embarrassing. It's not a particularly great story, but there you go. Mark Halmack asks you, he says, just how many jobs have you had and which was your favorite and why? He also asks, what is your most treasured garage sale
1: find and what did you do with it? Do you still own it or did you sell it, etc.? I've had a bunch of jobs. I don't think I've had as many jobs as you because I've had a few. (laughs) I've had quite a few that, like, I had one run at a place that was almost 15 years. So it's a good long. But I've had quite a few quite a few jobs my favorite was working at the maria's mexican restaurant i loved, loved, loved my boss there he was great great guy the late jesus manuel duarte and great person to work with or work for work with and everybody there was it was it was just a whole crew you know it was like the the cast of cheers so that that was a great place and it was the place where i learned how to cook and uh, that I enjoyed making food and eating food Um, my most treasured garage sale find is I'm sure I told this story on garage sale is the Indian and maybe on Star Wars Monthly Monday is the uh, story of Indiana Jones record in sound and pictures Um, because I've always wanted that that was always one of my favorite records of yours to listen to mainly because it had no narrator and it was just right. so beautifully mixed and
0: I think if you ever want to really like make the point to somebody like this is what Ben Burt does Yes, play that it's, a, it's, it's a perfect
1: example of like he tells the whole story in just in sound and dialogue from the movie mm-hmm. and uh but you know i found lots of rare and valuable things But that's something. I still have it. I just made on my new turntable a a flack audio rip of it because my turntable is beautiful, and it was a cherry copy of it. But the whole reason that I had to kind of fight for it because somebody was trying to scarf it up next to me, and he was being kind of a jerk about it, and I got to have a little moment with uh, the person who ran the garage sale. The guy was sort of running around like running rough shot over her you know kind of bullying up there a little bit you know and uh and I just took the piss out of him and you know he was gonna buy the record and I'm like looked at her and I said I'll give you twenty dollars for it <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna give you for it but I don't think he'll pay twenty dollars for it but I'll pay twenty dollars for it and he's like but I got it in my hand I'm like I don't know it's not your record she you haven't paid her yet you know it's up to her. <laughs> She's like, I'll take the $20. I'm like, thank you, and took it right out of his hands. <laughs> and uh, he was mystified and upset. And I was so happy because he was just being a jerk. He was being so aggressive about like pushing, he pushed past everybody to get to the records, which was where I was heading. And he shoved by me to get to him and went, burr, 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 and then pulled that one out. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. I'm no way is he walking away with that. You know, and now I have it, and I'll never. Do it. So,
0: all right. Yeah. Mark Kalmback asks a follow-up question. He says, "On a side note, does the Photoshop art for this make anyone else think of a uh, of some sort of a seriously twisted slash demented cat dog cartoon episode?" And you know, it's funny because that's the very first thing I thought of I when thought I of saw that. that, too. that I've picture. never
1: seen it, but I've seen art from it. But that wasn't yeah. what I meant to do. But that's sort of how it came out looking like. I agree. <laughs> was uh, Prime asks, "What has been your
0: favorite Star Trek episode to review on Star Trek Monthly Monday so far?" And you know, this is a great question, and I feel really badly that I'd basically have to go back and like review everything we've done so far I to think, really pick an answer to that. I'm not really sure. What's
1: the name of the one with the neural neutralizer with Van Gelder in it? Oh god, that one uh, was a riot. Uh,
0: yeah, um, what the hell is Dagger the Dagger of the Mind? That was a riot. Any of the ones that like made us laugh the whole time, because I think the Gas Passers was a really
1: damn funny yes. one, too. Yes, you know, right? that I like one that. popped into my head, too. It's not one, it's actually far from one of the better episodes of the show, but maybe that's right. why. Yeah. There was one of the next-gen ones that had us rolling, and I can't
0: remember what the hell episode that was either, but there was one that was so shit that we were just having a, a riot, tearing it apart. But yeah, I... I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm just going to say the gas passers, because I remember just having a, a riot with fart jokes with that one. Uh, he has a follow-up question. He says, do either of you know the galley scene in Star Trek VI is used as the U.S. Sutherland's bridge, and uh, or USS Sutherland's bridge? And I, I don't even know. Is that a starship? Is that a real ship? I, 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 I don't know that, so no. I
1: got nothing. Uh, Mark Kahnbach wants to know what... I'm going to skip his second part because it's what franchise would you like to reboot because we already hit that. What movie would you like to remake? Why and how? See, I'm not a fan of remakes. That's the thing. I got mine. Go ahead. Uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, a movie I really love, but I'm so jealous that somebody else got to make it besides me when I was a kid and I read that book. I said someday i want to make this into a movie i could totally it was so visual in my head that it would almost making it into a movie would be almost uh, just you know capturing what i you know i could draw down storyboards of exactly what i saw so i would i would do that just out of sheer self-indulgence
0: this wouldn't be much of a remake because I think the existing version of it is damn near perfect. But the reason I'd want to see it remade or retooled is because the, the ending that they tacked onto it is stupid as all hell. And it ruined it retroactively ruins the whole movie for me. But at the time I was watching it, I was so digging the movie and that was Stephen King's the mist because I waited like, however many years I I think it was like probably a good 20 years between the time I read that book and when the movie finally came out I was uh, that's always been so you could just
1: do it shot by shot and change the ending yeah
0: I mean I think the movie as it exists I mean I was so digging it when I was watching it in the theater but you get to the end of the movie and okay spoiler alert the movie ends with them basically running out of gas. They're in the middle of nowhere. And so the dad, who you've been following through the whole movie, kills everybody else because he knows that they're just going to meet a horrible end anyway. That's not the ending of the story. And then the mist, the mist ending, blows away. And then the mist blows away and it's all over, which is just a stupid-ass ending to the movie. But in the original book, which it had been faithfully adapting up to that point... In the original book, they simply drive away into the mist, and you never know what becomes of them. And that is such a better ending to the story. And I wish they had stuck to that. And uh, so, yeah, off the top of my head, that's what I would go with. Because uh, you know, I, I just, I like the movie, but man, that ending was dumb. Oh, uh, uh, let's see here. That's not a question. Not a question. Fan Prime says, Deadpool, Deathblow, or Deathstroke. When did death or dead or such get overused for you being a part of a comic book character names? Um, pretty much right away. I was uh, yeah. out
1: before that even started. Dark yeah. was, Dark was just starting to get overused when I got out. So I yeah. got out before dark or at dark and before dead.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Back to Scotty Gardner. This is a really good one. Who are your favorite superhero and arch nemesis rivalries? Not necessarily your favorite superhero and a villain, but your favorite pair of a hero and his villain.
0: I had to think long and hard about this, because the problem with this is that most of them, these pairings are so overused at this point that I'm just flat sick of seeing them together. But that aside, the, the, when I really had to think about it and think of like, what what would be my favorite ones? I pretty much had to come down to Superman and Lex Luthor, but not the classic way that you might see them, but more of the way Byrne had done them. Because I really liked, of course, Byrne's Superman as my Superman, but also Byrne's Lex Luthor. I hear these days kind of take a lot of flack because he was the the businessman Lex Luthor and people say that that whole thing was played out and everything. But I liked how that particular version of Luthor, because he wasn't a super villain per se, he didn't have the power suit. He couldn't fight Superman on a power level. It was more of messing with him. It was toying with him. And I liked that, that he was the evil businessman Luthor. Eventually that Luthor becomes president of the United States and then not only is he still able to to mess with superman and kind of make superman wriggle you know like a worm on a hook but also you know it, it adds that extra element of now he's you know the leader of the free world he's the most powerful man in the world and there's nothing superman can do to stop him he knows he's the bad guy but he's hmm. untouchable because he's the president of the united states so many parallels there with, with modern events and everything, but also I just, I like that dynamic between the two of them. It's, it's such a shame that for one, the whole resolution of that was so weak, but also it happened one, ter- one term too soon, I think. Otherwise, it would be like the perfect parallel to what's going on in our modern world. But I, I, I really like that. I yeah. thought
1: that was a really good rivalry. In between my opinion, two. yeah, you could take almost any president during our lifetime and transpose it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mine would be Magneto and the X Men, just because I think it's for for comics. It's not super complex, but it's a little more shaded. You know, Magneto's not a pure, just like frothing bad guy although he can be at points but the the relationship between those has proved to be very um flexible so it's worked well in the comics and it's worked really well you know in other translations of it especially the movies you know it's 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 worked out really you know as a as a good dynamic for it he's a he's a Super villain you can bring back in basically every X Men movie, and nobody's going to be like, "Ugh, Magneto again!" As a matter of fact, there you know people would rather see Magneto than most of the other characters. So that would that would be my my pair up. All right, Dave Atterbury asks if you could
0: start TTF all over again, what would you do differently? When would you start
1: it, and with whom? I feel like we kind of addressed this one already. I would just say, this brings up an idea to me that, like, if we could do anything different, it would have been—I think—it would have been even better to start to uh, if we would have thought of it sooner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, started it earlier. Yeah. You know, what would we do differently? I I mean, I I can't really think of anything other than you know what we said before. Maybe not have been so negative in the very beginning. Maybe withheld certain. Episodes or certain show topics until a, a later time when we were a little more established. As far as the with whom, I, I you know, there's nobody else I'd rather do the show with.
1: You know, yeah, uh, I'm doing the show with my best
0: friend. What more
1: can I? I want to say maybe we could have started with some of our our other podcasters earlier, but you know what? I'm glad we hogged up the first few years. That was <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we had those ones that we didn't have to share as much. Dave Atterbury again. If you could re-experience a geek property again for the first time, as if you've never heard of, seen it, read it, which one would you choose? You can only pick one.
0: Well, we we mentioned Star Wars before. Star Wars is a good default.
1: It'd be awesome to be able I to. I wouldn't. To... I would not pick Star Wars because I like discovering Star Wars when I did. Right. As as I as I did now. Um. Hmm. it's hard to say i'm trying yeah. to think of something that i saw as a kid that i just didn't get as a kid that i probably right. get now but nothing's popping to the front of my head that yeah that's a tough one yeah it is a tough one maybe james bond movies yeah when i saw james bond movies as a kid they were really skewed in my brain and really weird and it, it made watching James Bond movies really weird for me at first because they were not like what I remembered in my head. So watching all those old James Bond movies are what like watching a surreal... They're kind of surreal anyway. You know, the last couple Sean Connerys and the first couple Roger Moores. I don't know, that's sort of a half half s answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tim Elliott has a, has a stumper here. He says, uh, for both, he says, what is your biggest regret and greatest
1: accomplishment? Biggest regret? We already went over that. It was this two young girls in that tent. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I like, even my biggest mistakes even ended up Getting arrested and stuff. If I had to change one thing, it would be that. Biggest accomplishment, you know, I wanna say the two true freaks network, but that's almost like just a part of like a whole, and I almost feel that like the greatest accomplishment of that is yet to come. Yep. But um my whole thing with Friendster that's that's um in the first storytellers Why I'm not your friend on Facebook. That's that that was a pretty big deal for me in many ways that I could talk about like in that podcast and ways that I can't talk about. Just being mysterious. I don't know. What are what are yours? Are your your kids? That's a good uh, always a good default. Right. Yeah, you know my, my kids um, that your kids read comic books.
0: That my kids read and that they're active in, you know, they like the things that I like and, you know, that, that they're, you know, I, I think they're both growing up to be, you know, honorable young men. That means a lot to me. Being able to do, you know, something that I absolutely love, you know, genuinely love as a job for the, for really the first time in my life. And Chris is right. I've had a lot of jobs in my life most of them have sucked some of them have been absolutely soul crushing to the point of if I didn't have a wife and kids to keep me going god knows what I might have done to myself you know but I'm not in that place anymore I'm I'm really happy I'm doing what I enjoy and and I you know I get to have this as a creative outlet that's you know really awesome for me but probably honestly and You know, I I really hope that somebody doesn't, you know, post something stupid about this. I, I really mean this genuinely from the bottom of my heart is that, you know, this October, I celebrate my 20th wedding anniversary. That means a lot to me because, you know, I did not have the greatest track record with women prior to my wife. You know, and the simple fact that I found somebody that would put up with my crazy ass for 20 years. Decades. Yeah, yeah, that's quite an accomplishment. So, yeah, I would say probably that, being able to maintain, you know, a healthy, stable, romantic relationship for 20 years with a woman. Yeah, that, for me, that's quite a big deal. As far as the other one, though, the biggest regret, I got to be honest with you, I'm not big on regret. And a lot of that reason is because... For one, I like to think I've led a pretty good life. I've done some things I'm not proud of, but I've tried to make amends for those things when I could. And the thing that was the biggest regret in my life for a long time, I, I felt like I, you know, looking back now, I spent far too much of my life um, <laughs> kind of, yeah, regretting it and kind of beating myself up for things that ultimately there's nothing I could do about it. You know, life was going to play out the way it was going to play out. And again, you know, to, to go back to one of my heroes, you know, if, if there's one philosophy of Waltz that I really do subscribe to is that I think it's important for young people to get kicked in the teeth. I think it's important to have a good hard failure when you're young because it teaches you more than one you know, if you're if you're smart, it teaches you life lessons that hopefully... You don't just get kicked in the teeth and learn nothing from it, but you get kicked in the teeth and you pick yourself up and you go, okay,
1: that's I that will do that again.
0: again. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. So my biggest regret, long story short, involves a girl, basically the one that got away. And for a long time, I let that be my defining characteristic is that I was this sad guy that you know, I let her get away and that defined me and it made me very sad and it made me a very negative person inside. And at some point I just, I I realized that I'm never going to be happy if I can't let that shit go. And I did. And it's made me a better person. It's made me a better father. And more importantly of anything, it made me a better husband. Because I realized that I wasn't going to allow the same stupid mistakes to happen again and I wasn't going to allow those old mistakes, and those old regrets to poison my, my relationship with my wife anymore. And when I finally got to that point, I, I think that's what where the change in me kind of happened. You, you know? I, I don't know if any of that's making any sense without telling the whole story, but in short, that's really what it is. So I really tried. Very hard not to look back and have regrets about things other than learning a lesson. So, I, I don't know how good of an answer that is, but that's the honest answer. Fanboymas Prime asks exactly what
1: do I have to do to get Dweller in the Depths covered on the vault? Oh, that's, I guess that's one for me since I'm in the vault. I don't know. I have to be convinced it's a horror movie. If you can get Hero and Sean and, um, and luke to convince me that it's a horror movie and i think those three would go along with doing that movie we could we could cover that in the vault we're running down to the end of the questions because i see my warning (laughs) saying you get your questions in and uh okay gene Hendricks wants to know what do each of what do you each think of the latest stunt from marvel and does it change or reinforce your opinion on the state of comic book companies today i have no idea what the new stunt is from marvel (laughs) i'm sure it's ridiculous and pathetic which is, I guess, not changing my opinion on the state of comic book companies today.
0: <laughs> I uh, I was hoping you might know what he was talking about. I, I don't know. I, what... Gene, I'm sorry. I hope you don't think we're dodging the question, but I really don't know what you're referring to. Now, I did notice something that's going around about Thor being a woman or something. I, I really don't know if that's what you're talking about, if that's what it is. I'm withholding an opinion only because I don't know more about it. It, it might be awesome. It might could be, be stupid. great. I really yeah. don't know. It could yeah. be written
1: really well. I'm open to it being good. I think people are getting wound up about it in the context of their thinking, what's that going to, how's that going to affect the movie? I don't think it'll affect the movies at all. I think you'll still have your right. Chris Hemsworth Thor oh, and yeah. you know, it's not like they're dealing with Beta Ray Bill or anything in the movies. So, it's a non-issue as far as I, you know, I'm like, but you know, whatever. If they want to try something like that, it seems to be working into how the Thor story works, as far as what I've heard. So, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, like like, I, but I don't follow it, so I really don't have much of an opinion. Yeah, on it. I
0: don't either.
1: I don't either. Christopher J.
0: Warden says Marvel just announced a new Star Wars omnibus reprinting the Marvel
1: series. Thoughts? Did you see this? It looks it looks really nice. It's going to be kind of expensive because it's yeah, three of them, and it's, man. and it's a third of the. I you know I have them in the original comic book form. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I, I don't have to Scott Rife on it and get. I feel bad for Scott Rife's collector gene because he's got a pony up you to know, well, four hundred dollars for. In this particular case,
0: I might have to too because if they're doing it in a true omnibus style, where they're going to have you know some some bonus things, and plus it'll be a beautiful it'll be re-printing. beautiful. It I'm sure beautiful. that they're going to digitally touch it up and all that. I might have to break down and buy that because it does look pretty awesome. And I'll be honest with you. Um, as much as I've been meaning to go back and replace key issues out of my own collection with better copies, I've just never gotten around to it. So a lot of my copies of the original Star you know, I have the whole 107 issue run plus the annuals. I have them all in paper, but a lot of my issues, especially my early ones, are pretty ragged. So this would be a nice way to have them like yeah. in the ultimate form, yeah. you know. So I'm thinking about it. I don't know where the hell I'll get $125, a lot of but money. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Plus, you know, I might be able to get just that one, and that would be it. As much as I'd love to get all three, I don't know that I need to get all three of them, but I'd like to have the, the, the very first one. So, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. But anyway, as far as the thoughts, yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad that you know, one of the first things that uh, that Marvel slash Disney is doing with it as they're getting Star Wars back in-house is going, hey, here you go. And, yeah. And, you know, being loving here, yeah. to Marvel Star Wars, which is not what Dark Horse did. Dark Horse was like, hey, look at this crazy shit. Here you go. And uh, The tides I was,
1: turned in opinion, though, since then. So, once again, did. as far as the quality of the material showing out, you know, there yeah. you go.
0: Exactly. Uh, Jared Reitman asks, he says, what's the one comic or sci-fi related collectible or object that you would never sell for any price? Which holds the biggest sentimental value to you? Wow. That is a
1: really That's hard a tough question. One. It's going to come down to, with me, probably a comic book. <laughs> right. But I don't know which one. It There's might be three some of them. Of my early Dan O'Neill comics, because those were the first comics I like bought somewhere, you know. There's three of them that come immediately to my mind that I, I could see myself
0: never parting with. One of them is uh, Destroy. Yeah. That comic just speaks to me on so many levels. I love <laughs> like You know, it, it's to me it's like the perfect comic book. So there's Destroy. Um, there's also an issue of Detective that I've talked about a million times on a million different episodes. I can't remember the issue number, but it's basically it's the earliest comic book I can ever remember reading as a kid. I finally tracked down a copy of it, and now that I have it again, I'm never getting rid of it. And then this one's a really bizarre one. Um, there's an issue of Arach, Son of Thunder. I couldn't tell you the issue number. I couldn't tell you a damn thing about the story. I don't intend to ever read it again because I don't give a shit about Iraq but my mother bought it for me. Uh, my mother never bought me comic books when I was a kid, but she went into town one time. I asked her to pick up a Superman for me. She came back with friggin' Erak, <laughs> and I've kept it all these years just because my mom bought it for me. So uh, there you go.
1: Yeah. Maybe my psychotronic guide to film. <laughs> I, it's literally falling into Falling to pieces, but I'll just keep taping it back together. All right, what is your best man shakes fist at a cloud or damn kids get off my lawn moment? Oh my god! Oh man! Which time we got? Yeah, see, I'm not sure what what's what does he mean by that? Like, like I can think of the one time when I became my father for the first time when I found out these kids that I knew. that were friends of some of my coworkers had stolen some uh, sound equipment from a sound engineer and and you know passed it off as a neighborhood theft and the sound engineer guy was like totally broke and that was his livelihood and uh, it was just gone it wasn't insured and I knew who took it and they tried to get me to buy it from them hey you need any sound equipment? And I turned into my dad and was just like, look, I know what you guys did, but I know that guy and he's a really good person. You have 24 hours to give it back to him, you know, or I'm going to turn you into the authorities. Not knowing whether I really would or wouldn't, but I'm thinking like, what would my old man do, you know? And I really wasn't actually thinking like, what do I have to do? I have to do what my old man does. I sort of became (laughs) my old man at that moment. So that was my biggest get off my lawn I think <laughs> I don't know I'd, I'd,
0: I'd have to think
1: about there, that you must have a up. million of them this. Oh, I probably do
0: yeah, again it's probably the first time I caught myself saying something to the kids where I had to stop later and go okay that sounded just like my old man and I am such a friggin hypocrite right now you know because I swore I'd never be that guy you know so I, I don't know I but yeah there's a, I mean, you become a dad and these things just happen you know but I can't think of a specific one off the top of my head.
1: Chris Muntz, uh, Inquiring Minds wants to know: Is there a time when you hated being a geek or a freak?
0: I would say when when we were young, you know, when we were when you got picked like, on middle, for it. Middle, yeah, middle school was was it was friggin' hard, man. Yeah. When we were kids, it was tough being being the, the outcast yep. kid. Because you got to remember, I mean, I think kids today. I got to be honest with you, I think kids today have a hell of a lot easier if you're into like comics or, or geeky things or whatever because it's kind of you know geek chic these it days it was it we was, was a, a kid, stigma you asked for it you know and, and you i got know, called
1: space Case. I remember like the neighbor kid calling me whatever space case
0: i mean i can remember being called some horrible names as a kid you know names that they don't let you call people these days yeah you know? And stuff like that, and and being bullied and picked on, and I mean sometimes just plain beaten up, right in full view of everybody at the school, including goddamn teachers, you know, that just let you get your ass kicked and wouldn't do anything about it. A lot of that kind of stuff doesn't happen these days. You know, everything's about bullying and equality. And and, and I'm not trying to belittle that stuff. I think it's good. But at the same rate, there's a part of me that's like, hey, if there's, ah, there's kids that, these days are a bunch of damn pussies if because
1: they're not. Well, if there's kids that didn't have to, I, hey, I I I'm. If there's kids that don't have to get picked on like we got picked on, then good for them, I guess. If yeah, they're lucky, no, you know. It, I'm not going to begrudge lucky.
0: them. No, and I not shouldn't either. But... but no, I, to answer the question, they're though, just yeah, never they were... going to
1: be as tough yeah. as us. That's true.
0: I wouldn't say I ever hated it, you know, being being you know into my things, but there were times when it was just like. Why Get can't I, you know why can't they just leave us alone? You know, just let me be into my thing. I don't I don't give you shit because you're a jock douchebag. Why do you got me, got to give me a hard time because I like Star Trek or whatever, you know? So yeah, yeah, there there yeah. School was tough. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Gene Hendricks says, what was the one franchise uh what was the one franchise remake/reboot you actually liked better than the original if such a thing exists? Hmm.
1: I, I thought the battle, the new Battlestar Galactica, was definitely a jump in storytelling and special effects and acting and and all around. I'm gonna be really scandalous and say after I've seen uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I'm thinking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes has surpassed pretty much all the Apes movies for me.
0: <laughs> I, I, I. Well, see, I see, I see Rise and. Uh, Dawn, as basically the reboots, remakes of conquest and battle. So yeah, I would I would go with those. I don't, on a sentimental level, even on a story level, I wouldn't say that they're superior to Escape. So I can't I can't throw Escape in there because I just I love that movie too much to throw that one in there. And I think both the awesome opening and the punch in the gut ending of Escape puts them uh, on the same level as, as anything coming out now. But I, I have been incredibly impressed with both of the new uh, Apes movies uh, immensely. I'm trying to think. I know that there has been a, a remake or a reboot that uh, I liked better, and I, I can't remember for the life of me what it is. Um, I was really impressed with the new Bond movies as well, but they're not exactly a, a remake.
1: They, they are a yeah, this, reboot, I guess. As much as any other. It's just the Bond does that, you know?
0: Yeah this is um, sort of how
1: whenever a new actor comes in
0: beyond that I can't think of it I mean definitely not Superman definitely not Star Trek never really got into the new Battlestar Galactica um, damn I, I can't think of anything else really I, I, I don't know I hope I answered your question That I, I really can't think of another one Um. let's see Mark Homex says why a duck
1: because they're delicious.
0: <laughs> he also asked, which classic Disney character would you most like to see star in a modern movie?
1: I would like to see them do a classic, like, a real Mickey Mouse movie or, you know, with do- with the Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, you know, the classic, goofy, <laughs> the original, like, Star Trek Trinity. And... Right. And- take a chance with it not make it like edgy or dark or something but make (laughs) it like a you know where they don't i feel sometimes with those characters they almost have to be just like these generic ambassadors of goodwill that come out and sort of do a parody not a parody but a caricature of their their personalities you know and uh Think of something really inventive, a la, you know, not like, but like as inventive as, say, like the Lego movie, where you take it in a direction that's like nobody would expect. That's still charming and child friendly and something. I'd like to see that. That's something that I don't think they've been able to do in a long. I think the last thing that was sort of along that was like maybe Mickey's Christmas Carol or something like that. yeah. I I I I I would really be because at this point I almost like think like hope like the best that you could maybe get is a short subject or something. But I'd like to see him see him try and pull it off. Get him Brad Bird, put him to work.
0: See, I'm trying to think. I think a lot of this depends on your interpretation of the word classic. Because when I think of classic Disney, I'm thinking of the the films during Walt's lifetime, of those you know Walt had a had a popular you know a, a, a favorite catchphrase of his which was you can't top pigs with pigs meaning why make sequels essentially right he, he was not a fan of sequels. A few years ago, we had one of the um, one of the lesser divisions I'll say of animation, basically TV animation was doing all these cheap direct to video sequels to classic yes. Disney was very unpopular with with Disney purists and they stopped doing it eventually one of them that was in the queue for the longest time was Dumbo 2 looked horrible never got released and I'm actually really glad that that never happened that there was never a Dumbo 2 along that same line I I don't want there to be like a Snow White 2 or or a Bambi 2 or although there was actually or a Dumbo, too. You know, I'm not a fan of yeah. sequels or what. So I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, like what did, classic. And I, I guess I would have to go with you. I'd have to say Mickey because, you know, he's still he, he's the figurehead of the company. You know, everybody knows Mickey. But it would like I would like to see Mickey be more than just
1: make him a real that, character,
0: make him a real yes. exact, bring him back and let him be the star of a movie and actually give him something to do, make him a character again. And uh, I'd like to see something a little bit bold done with him. So yeah, you know, much the same way that people kind of run down Superman and say, "Oh, he's he's white bread, he's generic, and he's too powerful, and he's not interesting." I think. A lot of people see Mickey as almost kind of the same thing, is that uh, you know, he's not really much of a character. You know, he's just kind of generic. Well, all right, then do something with him. Make him ungeneric and do something dynamic with him and yeah. make him a movie star again. Because you have to remember, at the height of, you know, uh, uh, of Disney's golden age with Mickey, Mickey was just as much a movie star as any yeah. paid actor that was he's out sassy,
1: too, you know? He no bunks Bunny, but he was he an edgy, but he was sassy, you know? Right.
0: and and i'd love to see you know uh, some slight recapturing of that you know uh, a a truly epic mickey movie i think that would be pretty cool i'd like to see that so that's that's what i'll go with all right dude we
1: are down to the very last question and it's a doozy (laughs) (laughs) it kind of answers itself yes it does because it says who many brain cells have you guys probably killed with brain capitalized um i'm killing brain cells just trying to process this question jason
0: (laughs) i guess the real question the real answer to this is who many of your brain cells have we killed
1: (laughs) listen to us i think we're killing yeah i think maybe we might be killing our own brain cells but we might be taking more of our listeners with them so i don't know it's like a siege we'll see who uh We'll see who holds out the longest before (laughs) becoming a vegetable.
0: Well, that's it for Grill the Freaks 2014. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Chris and I are back. Uh... We're, we're off of our little hiatus so uh next monday next uh, starting next month we are back in uh, all of your favorite shows will return and we will have some big announcements coming tune, in very yeah
1: easy. especially i would say tune into star wars monthly monday right off the bat and you'll start getting a clue as to as to the kind of fun that is about to begin If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at TwoTrueFreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O. The beat goes on. T
0: R U E. The beat goes on. F R E A K S.
1: Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the
2: brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh History
1: has turned a page, huh The men cur- the current thing,
2: uh-huh Goes on, the beat goes on. The drums
1: keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee, la da
2: da da da.
1: The grocery stores are home uh-huh. Men still keep on marching up to war
2: Electrically they keep a baseball score And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a
1: rhythm to the brain
0: Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feet with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled
1: S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when
0: we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash If you ever
1: leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We're off? Good, well that ought
2: to hold the little bastards.